The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Coming to you from a far, far long time ago in a galaxy far, far away is me, your host, Radicat. You can find me at Radicat at, uh, at Twitter. You can find me at Newsless Need on Twitter. You can also find me at, New- uh, at Newsless Need. On Twitter, like I said, and CP Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And that sound effect you heard comes from another your other host for tonight. One agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Representing BK to the fullest. Indeed. If you ever want to know where Brooklyn at, that's the man to see right there. Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Any excuse to play more than one, right? <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Uh, folks, we are here live with another uh, um, Chronicles. And that being said, uh, this show, Combo Chronicles, can be seen and heard in all that kind of good place on the Cold Slither Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find this on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make uh, sure to hit like and subscribe. There it is. And you can also like and subscribe to us at... Um, when we go live uh, every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m. on either YouTube.com slash TheClickNation, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, or Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles, all one word. Folks, let us get into some comic books. Uh, we're going to start off this week with, I would say, a favorite of ours, uh, Black Cat, number three. Yes, this is the second part of the Black Cat King in Black tie-in. It is written by Jed McKay, with art by C.F. Via, color art by Brian Reber, and letters by Ferron Delgado. Yeah, yeah, we will not hold the fact that um, it's a King of Black tie-in against it, because it's still actually pretty good, despite that. So it's one of those. What I was going to say is hmm. because Roddy Cat is has noted over the last several uh, months that he's not really following King and Black, but this is one of those crossover issues that doesn't necessarily repeat things that happen in the cro- in the miniseries 
of the main event proper. It's true. Rather, it builds upon this particular character's interaction. And, you know, it, it expands on it and elaborates uh, what what role this particular character plays in the crossover. So that's where this is one of the better types of crossover issues. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's there's more than enough examples of crossover issues where characters where, where you where you will see literally the same events possibly from like a different angle, not even from a different point of view, just from a different angle. Right. replayed in the crossover issue so the, you know i definitely credit uh the creators here in making a pretty quality crossover issue uh to the king and black event right and not to skip ahead to the end of the book but we do find that because wait uh king of black 4 came out what this week or last, last week? week yeah last week so yeah so this is yeah my note on this is that um king and black came out last week so this issue precedes that issue mm-hmm and then it sounds what it sounds like uh, everything's going back to normal next issue, given uh, what was stated after that last page of the of the right uh, of the. We're back to heists. We're back to you know regular heists, as regular as black cat heists can be nowadays. Exactly. But that being said, um, I, I pretty much say in my notes that um, this is a. Um, well, actually, I, I pretty much say I was not expecting a therapy session in the middle of a, a King of Black tie-in. Um, right. Uh, also, during the mission, in, in the middle of a nice Guardian transformation, but here we are. So, um, for the most part, I actually enjoyed it for the, you know, for, for some of that, because it was like, okay, it's mostly just them kind of talking for the most part and, until it gets to the end, but, or Felicia and um uh whoever this uh this uh god slash spirit whoever person is um and you know it was if you're not familiar with uh some things that has happened in black cats life uh this, this is definitely one that'll kind of put your not necessarily up to speed but kind of like hey here's yeah this is a couple of things that has happened at her at her certain points of her life so definitely that was an interesting way of of uh kind of going through uh, uh, Black Cat. This is your life. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and, and uh, just as a quick recap, uh, this is a direct continuation of the last issue where uh, there is, you know, there, there's been a piece of Yggdrasil that has kind of moved between Doctor Strange and the Black Cat uh, over the course of several stories. And uh, Black Cat, is most definitely not prepared for uh, the magic that's going to be flowing through her. This quote-unquote wild magic, Mm -hmm. the power of creation that's going to be flowing through her. And that is what takes her on this uh, personal, you know, uh, 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 journey through her history. And, uh, you know, she has to deal with, um, you know, the temptation of this wild magic. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's I, I called it a ferocious temptation because there was a lot to it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it and it related to this particular walk down memory, memory lane that the, the kind of like the avatar of the wild magic uh, took her on, took Felicia on. And, uh, you know, they they um, they go through a few moments in her life that we are 
distinctly familiar with. I remember the panel, and uh, I actually, if I recall correctly, I did flip to it um, in Marvel Unlimited, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Venom panel. It wasn't an exact recreation of the McFarlane uh, art, but it was definitely faithful to the spirit. Gotcha. Of uh, Eddie Brock to, uh, 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 beating up Felicia Hardy back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that there wasn't a little caption that says "See Amazing Spider-Man issue number." I think it was like three fifteen or three sixteen, something like that. Right. Which they've been pretty good about doing in, in a lot of cases lately, or yeah, it was, I guess within the last year. But yeah, sometimes they just you know, I guess they just don't for whatever other reason. Right. So you know that was. Uh, that was pretty cool, but yeah, as, as Cap mentioned, we definitely get what seems to be a therapy session, and you know, kind of mixed in with, as I said, this ferocious amount or level of temptation, and uh, Felicia honor, you know, basically survives and overcomes because she, you know, she still has uh, uh, a character. You know, she's got a, a high character and um, a strong character. Because, you know, despite the fact that she she literally says it was this close, <laughs> you know, holding her fingers uh, uh, only uh, an inch or less apart, her you know, her index and her thumb apart to show how close it was for her to um, to uh, to fall prey and, and fall prey to the temptation, and kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I guess some some would say, well, obviously that's not how this was going. To, that was how that was going to go, but it could. Like that could eventually be a what if <laughs> that shows up uh, if they brought that series back. Well, I guess if and or when they bring that series back, that could be something they could they could dive into uh, if they they so choose to. But for the purposes of what's huh? Which series? What if? Oh, what if I see? Yeah. But for the purposes of obviously keeping things going, you know, you kind of figured that wasn't going to happen. But it was a, sure. you know, it was a good ride regardless. Right, and uh, you know, and 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 for anyone, I don't know if you if you had a chance to to flip through King and Black number four. We do, it does, There is not really uh, a point where you know we 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 see any of the stuff happening in this, which is great, which <clears> is what which is what I was referring to earlier. Right. Uh, we don't actually see. You know any of this stuff happened, but we do get Doctor Strange, Black Cat, and the branch of Yggdrasil showing up in King of Black number four. So that's why I, you know, uh, I, I kind of, um, I, I kind of led with that particular comment because I appreciated that, right. and I appreciated that this is a pretty, this is a pretty strong crossover issue, and it doesn't hurt that it's the primary creative team. Right, right, because yeah, because just like you said, like it definitely is good to see that stuff because like anytime you usually see them repeating stuff from stuff that, from other books that has already happened, it's like okay, they just wanted filler here, and this is totally not, you know, totally less than necessary. But well, it's, let me phrase that: depending on which way it happens, it's totally unnecessary. If it if it happens in the main book and you just happen to read the time the the um the time book, that's one way. But if it's the other way around, and it's like yeah, okay, did we actually need to? You know, did we actually need this? Because like, this just right. seems like filler that we don't, we didn't necessarily need. Absolutely, and and it also makes it look like the creative team on the tie-in book wasn't necessarily keen on giving up their storyline for two issue for an issue or two, right? You know, to give up what they're working on. So, mm-hmm. 
So otherwise, that it, like I said, despite the tie-in, it was a still good read. Um, you know, from from the crew there. Uh, so unless you got something else to, to speak on with that. No, it was, you know, I, I definitely appreciate that, uh, you know, it's, it's no, it's nothing new mm-hmm. to have Felicia Hardy being on one side of the line more so than the other and more so than being really in the middle. Right. But, you know, we've always seen, you know, we've always seen, you know, Black Cat kind of straying in that gray area for the most part, obviously. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not like they're doing that much to rehabilitate her in this. They're just exploring her her character more. Right. You know, and that's what's uh, and that's what's that's what's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess that's what kind of differentiates her from uh, Catwoman. Hmm. Like what they've done with Catwoman, what what Tom King uh, has done with Catwoman over the last several years. Mm-hmm. So true, yeah. And I guess um, you know, as I sometimes I say on here, it's like you kind of wonder if they're going to play with that a little more after this fact. Like, if they're going to dive a little more into it with uh, whatever good they're doing coming up. You know, in which book? Uh, in Black Cat. Gotcha. Because, like, you know, bringing this up in relation to, in the relation to, um, you know, the 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 King of Black stuff is is one thing, but also you you can kind of wonder, it's like, well, they definitely are bringing this up for a reason and not just because of that. And like, granted, it just fits in that slot because, hey, you know, she's dealing with a big thing that she's, you know, uh, that kind of warrants it. But at the same time, it's like, well after the fact like are you was it just for that or will this be something that's that might end up being explored in some way shape or form after the fact in relation to her heist or whatever the case may be you know mm. so you kinda, and we'll be right back to the heist right after this issue right. so next issue mm-hmm. so you kind of have to so you kind of wonder about that when when certain things come up like i, I would say the thing about a, the same thing about another book coming up and i have actually about another book that we'll probably talk about that being the case, uh, we can move on to, I think we said, Amazing Spider-Man number 60. Sure. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 60 is written by Nick Spencer. Pencils by Mark Bagley with inks by John Dell and Andrew Hennessy. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. Uh, in this issue, uh, and, and this is the bulk of the issue. Mm-hmm. MJ figures out a way for Peter to kind of let out some of the pain from his recent trauma suffered at the hands of Kindred so he can start the healing process. And this takes up the vast majority of the issue. But, and this is a spoiler, so I'm going to ring a spoiler bell. I won't spoil it, you know, entirely, but I will reveal uh, that something is afoot. So in three, two, one. It seems that MJ has a scheme of her own, and it involves one Quentin Beck, who you know reappears in this book after, uh, I, I guess the Amazing Mary Jane book uh, unfortunately met its demise. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and lastly, we're still in spoiler alert territory, people here. As if it wasn't already strongly hinted at in this run. We may be revisiting the one more day storyline in earnest. Yeah. 
this is definitely this is definitely something that we've discussed over the course of the kindred um as as the as the as the kindred story kind of came to a head over the last few months we've discussed this that it does seem like they are going back to revisit at least revisit one more day right and for sure and even with that per- with who um primarily has something to do with that without actually giving it uh, away but if you know that storyline you and you'll know who we're talking about but even with that this this person has been popping up not just here but in various places in the marvel universe as of the last couple of years so we know it still kind of might be possibly leading up to something bigger than that but also you know yeah this is a thing that that's a that's a that that is a, a thing and yeah we knew uh as agent seven and i were talking beforehand um like yeah the the the, the two kind of twists that happen in or seemingly twists that happen in the in the, the course of the end of this book that which uh you know mysterio is a part of and um uh this other character that that, that shows up at the end like one of them was kind of a bigger deal to me than than, than the other but at the same time both were kind of significant in, in different ways put it that way mm-hmm. uh, because i guess the the mysterious one is definitely more personal to the, the to what's going on with the kindred stuff given you know his dealings with kindred and you know and mary jane and you know and uh obviously in in some fashion spider-man and you know like I said, the, whole, the overall thing with uh, this other character, who I'm, I'm, I keep almost wanting to spoil the name of. But uh, the one thing I guess to note for me is that uh, just like Black Cat, there was also a, uh, as uh, Agent Servant kind of said, uh, kind of a theory session going on there. But also, I feel like this is... I was about to say, this is much more, this is much more therapy than uh, than what Black Cat kind of goes through. True. But also, I feel like this is the monologue, that whole, like, the, like what Agent 7 said, this whole issue pretty much deals with that. And it's just like a whole issue long monologue, uh, one, mm-hmm. one would say. And I feel like that would be the same monologue that we would have normally have gotten near the end of an arc, you know, uh, near the end of a big arc uh, in the final confrontation of the bad guy. So I'm kind of wondering if they were like, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and get this part out of the way so that when we get to the confrontation, we don't have to do that. I mean, given that, and we are we are still in spoiler territory, folks, mm-hmm. given, given the reappearance of Mysterio, you wonder if they're going to incorporate that into the movie that they were filming and or a way to 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 reach out to Kindred or to deal with Kindred at some point, right? Considering Kindred, I think has something to do behind with Mysterio as well, right? With Mysterio and that movie, actually, um, right? From what I remember, so yeah, you kind of wonder, and yeah, and definitely, especially with uh, Mary Jane's part in it, there's a, a piece of that that has yet to come out. Uh, one with her, with what she's doing, and with her between her and Peter. So, and I kind of, I feel like even with when we were talking about the amazing uh, Mary Jane book, I'm like, yeah, that can't, I see that not going totally well, but, you know, it might go better than we think and it might, you know. 
Right. Because obviously, if Peter knew about it, he's going to have some some issue with the fact that, you know, uh, her working with one of his old enemies, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's probably going to be a thing. But it may or may not be a, a bigger thing as we think it might be, or it might, you know, who knows? Like, there's there's a piece of this that we're not seeing here just yet. And that I'm right. actually kind of curious. In, yeah, I, I, I'm still... I'm still sticking with this because I, I want to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I'm still not happy with Bagley's art. I know everyone wants to trip over themselves, kissing his butt. Uh, there's a couple of really awkward facial poses in this book, you know, especially one of the kissing poses mm-hmm. for, for Mary Jane, like the way her face is drawn. Oh, gosh, that was so awkward. <laughs> gosh, that was so awkward. Uh, the 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 artist in Agent Seventy is just just having a field day with with all of this. <laughs> I mean, there's just some. Listen, there's some artists that just you don't you just don't get the appeal. I mean, you you sort of understand the appeal, but right. they're just not up your alley. Right. And Bagley's one of them. He just is. I wish uh, at Tim Dog ninety eight. I wish he was here to uh, maybe not debate me because obviously this is a matter of taste and and uh, and personal. No, what I was going to say is um, uh, uh, not just per- personal preference, but uh, subjective. Mm. You know, this is just a very subjective uh, uh, thing that we can't, you know, it's not like we can judge it on like a 10 point system exactly. You know, it's not gymnastics. Right. So. I mean, he's not Greg Land. Oh, no. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. It was bad. <laughs> Hey, boo! Uh, I said I don't. Now I don't have as big of a problem with with Greg Land as Agent Seventy and and does, but I just like bringing that up every now and then when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to artists of. Greg artists. Land is still getting work. He was he's on true. that. He's on that. Um, what you call it? Uh, he he was it this week? I think it is this week. Uh, it was a King and Black Spider Man. Yeah, 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 it is the King and Black Symbiote Spider Man. Oh right, that's right. I flipped through it because it looks interesting, and it's got uh, and, and Monica Rambeau's in it, mm-hmm. and um, and there's just a, so, and, and obviously Spidey, um, and 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 they're dealing with space stuff in this particular issue, and Rocket is on the cover, right? Uh, Rocket Raccoon, but yeah, oh, come on, man, Greg Land, oh, goodness gracious, <laughs> goodness gracious. But anyway, mm-hmm. moving on. What's next? Um, uh, you throw out a book. All right, I would like to talk about uh, one of the sadder things that we read this week. Not in the sense that the story was sad, but that this particular series was coming to an end. Magnificent Miss Marvel number 18. This is written, this is written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Minkyu Jung, and colors with the always steady hand of Ian Herring, who has been on Miss Marvel since Jump, and lettered by VC's Joe Caramagna. Now, this is a potential click of the week for me, not necessarily for the quality of the story, but for the way this particular issue kind of wraps up maybe a loose end or two, leaves a couple hanging for the next creative team that's going to take up the Miss Marvel book um uh title maybe not it may not be titled magnificent miss marvel we we may end up going back to miss marvel or finding another superlative mm-hmm. um uh for for the character but uh you know 
in 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 some this issue has the Coles Academy finishing part of their rebuild in the wake of Outlawed, and 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 the and in the wake of the events that caused the enactment of Kamala's Law, and they can hold their homecoming dance, but of course the Storm Ranger armor returns to exact its revenge on Kamala. Uh, Ms. Marvel fights off Storm Ranger with the help of one amulet. And by apparently... Say again? And the power of friendship. Oh, of course. And apparently appeals to the robot self-preservation programming slash AI. You know, Mm -hmm. um... You know, this is, as I mentioned, the final issue of the series, but with a Miss Marvel Disney Plus show coming, another series cannot be far behind. We can only hope. I mean, it, it stands to reason, just like other things that are getting live action treatments, that that is, to, that is the case. Um, but yeah, definitely hoping. I was about to say, cough, cough, Eternals, cough, cough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was thinking I was, of Shang-Chi also, but yes. <laughs> but definitely yes. Um, I don't know. It's, it's always weird to me when they do this. So like, I, I kind of sort of get, uh, well, I just, and also we should point out that it's also a legacy, um, 75 issue, uh, it's a number 75 issue for this book. Right. So it's, it's coincidentally an anniversary issue. Right. So that is also something to, uh, of note in this, um, uh, and not the first time a book has ended on a, um, on a milestone issue. So, uh, but that being said, like, yeah, like I, I want to see, like, I know we were talking before the show, like, yeah, could, we don't know of anybody who could pot- potentially take up the, the, the reins of this book. Um, but you had mentioned, uh, perhaps maybe, you know, if she wanted to, one G Willow Willerstrom would come back to the book, you know, in, uh, ahead of the, uh, the, the, the live action series and, you know, kind of do something, uh, right. which I would be on board with. I was about to say the reason why that particular idea popped into my head is because, and this is nothing against any of the writers that take up, uh, depictions and, and create depictions of characters in the Marvel universe as a whole. Right. Mm-hmm. But what has been constant over the course of, Miss Marvel's Kamala Khan's uh, solo books over 75 issues is that the person writing uh, was of uh, the Muslim faith. Right. And you wonder if they're lining up another writer of that uh, religious background, because not that that should be a requirement, but it does help inform some of the stories and some of the character interactions that happen in Kamala's story. Right. They would be able to, uh, and as it really is, is, uh, is a weaker word than what I was thinking about, but they finally, they would be able to, to get the character more than someone who would not be of that faith. Right. Right. So that's, you know, it's, you know, we don't want to say something as strong as that should be a requirement, but at the same time, it does inform how the character has been portrayed till now, but also and feel like it should been have been more strong. Often. Right. But if it should happen more often in certain cases. Well, I mean, that's what consultants are for. But, you know, but I definitely understand. Right. You know. So, but yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, what you said, I, I sure. But, um, 
But also just like, hey, having somebody that can write the book that actually, you know, can get into it, you know, or, or can put that into the book, you know, right. makes it feel more real than than not. You know. Right. And it's not it's it's not always a big part of it, but when it is a big part of it, that's when it matters. Exactly. So but yeah, um, like I said, we're fans of uh, Saladin Ahmed, or whatever. Well, I, a, a lot of what he's done so far has been pretty great stuff, and and he's still on Miles Morales's book, um, and she's still doing, still doing that stuff. So you know, right. that, that's not saying he's not getting any any, any work, and he's going to continue to because he's he's pretty great at, at what he's been doing so far. Um, but yeah, like I, I I think what I was kind of leaning towards though was that like. I, Usually, when books like this kind of end for whatever reason, like maybe that's pretty much all he had. Like maybe sometimes it's like the the book's not really doing well, but it's doing enough to let them finish what they were doing. Um, you know, maybe in a lot of cases that yeah, they they stop the book so they can restart it later for whatever odd reason, which just doesn't make sometimes doesn't hasn't made that much of a sense. Like say Black Black uh, Panther. Which I guess we'll right. talk about in a little bit because like they stopped it before the movie came out and then just right. happened to start it back up again. Right. I hate to say this, and it only jumped into my mind after you reminded me that this was the seventy fifth anniversary issue mm-hmm. that they're going to restart it and have the next volume of Miss Marvel make it to twenty five and let that be the one hundredth issue. That sounds like something they would do, yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of sad. Make that, yeah. So, you know, I, I have I have this suspicion that that's that that's probably not the only re- reason, but that probably played a little bit of a role in it. Because mm-hmm. eighteen is a weird number to stop at. It is. I mean, you you got a, like three trades out of it at the very least, but still, yeah. You're right. It is kind of a weird number to start at, start after, or, or to end at rather. So right, right. Right. I mean, it is funny that you mentioned this. Like, yeah, it's th- it's roughly three trades. If you go six issues per trade, that's three trades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we will see what the future holds. Like, obviously, we know that uh, she is still in Champions, and this, and the end of the book kind of made that known. Which uh, you know, we who keep up know with that. But you know, for folks who don't necessarily keep up with that stuff that uh, that hard, you know, they do say, hey, you know, Miss Marvel's going to return in Champions, but we also don't know how long Champions is going to last either. Um, so that's a whole another situation, which actually kind of brings me to something because I know I think the creative team on Champions is changing after this this outlawed arc, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think we no, talked I about think it already has. Yeah, wait, has it already? Because I thought this. I think it has. I thought it had like one more issue before before that. Or is it about to hit? Yeah, I think I it's think about so. to hit. Right, yeah. because now that they're out of. Now that they're out of, not that they're now that they're leaving the protection of the Marauders and the X Men, I think that's when it starts. Right, the new team. Right, and like I said, that being said, we still don't know, you know, the the, the life of, of that book is going to be. But it also kind of made me think about, like, granted, Eve Ewan is, as far as I know, is not Muslim, but I would actually kind of curious to see what she would do with a with a Miss Marvel book. If, if there was anyone that you know, if, if you're going to get some in body that you know is does not necessarily have the the, the affinity of having a, the the Muslim faith, um, like again, I don't. As far as I know, she does not. But um, I would be curious to see what she what she would 
be able to do with a a, a, a book, you know, because she's having to write Miss Marvel in Champions before. Granted, you know, there's some stuff that doesn't necessarily come up in that book that that comes up in um, right in the solo book in the solo book. But you know, that aside, you know, exactly, exactly. curiosity. Uh, right. Anyway, see, you know, we'll see what what we'll see what direction Marvel chooses to go, mm-hmm. and what direction editorial chooses to go when it comes to choosing the next creative team on this. So, you know, we'll means- be we'll keep our we'll keep our eyes and ears open, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to you know, and let you know when they uh, announce that. So, absolutely. But uh, moving say, on. Well, yeah, before uh, we move, I was just going to say like like what you were saying about um, you know them keeping with the same type creative team that they have been would be the way to go. That's, that's pretty much all I was going to say. Oh, it's preferable. Yes. I think it's preferable on her solo book. Yes. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the qualifier. It's her solo book. And that's where that becomes more prevalent. Right. So, um, that being said, uh, you got do you want to cover black Panther number 23? Sure. We could do that. Did you read it? I did. Mm-hmm. I figured you might have because this is one of those books that uh, disappeared off of the release schedule for quite a while yeah. because of COVID. And, um, you know, you wonder if it's art related because uh, Coates has obviously been putting out Captain America regularly during the pandemic. Right. So or for the most part, regularly during the pandemic. So it may not be on his end. Right. I saw but, the couple um, months that they did skip or they're they're planning to skip because I know they're skipping like May, I think, for Cap. And I think they might have skipped one other time. I can't remember. Right. But uh, in any event, uh, Black Panther number 23 is written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, with art by Daniel Acuna and Ryan Bodenheim, colors by Daniel Acuna and Chris O'Halloran, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So the stage is set for the final confrontation between the intergalactic, intergalactic planetary em- empire nice. of Wakanda. You know I wanted to pull that sound clip. Of course. Uh, uh, between the intergalactic empire of Wakanda and Wakanda Prime. Uh, T'Challa amasses the Earth forces made up of all of the black heroes and Thunderball <laughs> to fend off the attack. Um, meanwhile, this made me laugh. I'm sure you got this reference. Queen Ramonda makes like Aragorn from Return <laughs> of the King to get extra reinforcements from the dead yes. indigenous of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a little bit of a story there that I wonder uh, if Coates is laying the seed for in the future. Yeah, yeah you would have to think that that's the case because uh, it's been kind of sort of touched on in the past, but it was like kind of one of those things like okay where is this right. going but i was gonna say they're the indigenous folks of wakanda are they the the, the rough equivalent of the native americans of the american indians kind of yeah because i do rem- i vaguely remember when that when that got brought up i'm like huh this is the- was that during coach's run I Runs? So. yeah 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 totally okay I got to go back and check that again. I can't remember what issue it was but it was, and i think at this point is it was probably after or b- before this volume or actually, maybe not. I don't know, because you know, because a lot of this volume was like the space stuff, right? Um, so I, I got to go back and re- I got to go back and check that out because, and I'll I'll finish my notes on this, and 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 then uh, uh, you can have at it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the way was shut. It was made that way by the dead. <laughs> and Bast, Bast is ever the wild card in Coates' mm-hmm. story, right? 
Yeah, you, yeah, you pretty much summed from most of it up. Like we do get to see. Um, uh, Were T'challa. you mentioned the Aragorn play? I was not actually because I didn't think about it like that. But now that you say that, you're like, serious? yeah, you're right. You are absolutely right. No, because oh, I knew because I knew there was something to that part, but I didn't think about it that way. But uh, you know, so I totally saw that. Like, dude, she's going to get reinforcements, and I was looking at the at the text. I was looking at the art. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that was a good pickup on that one because, like I said, I, I thought of, I thought about it as a thing, but just not that thing. So I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that." Yeah, that just plays out note for note. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking nothing about no Lord of the Rings, but I guess if you, <laughs> I, matter of fact, as you think about you know another lengthy monologue that happens, uh, which is I guess another underlying theme in a couple of the books this week, you know. Uh, T'Challa's pretty much, as you said, rallying the troops, and but also utilizing uh, fallen comrades, and you know, you could right. almost go so far. Yeah, the intergalactic Nakia. Yes, exactly, and um, you could almost. Part of me actually went to another movie, uh, The Warriors, where you know, at the end of the speech, you could almost hear him say, "Can you dig it?" <laughs> <laughs> Although he didn't get that bombastic with it, but you could just, right. just tell, like he was just on a run, and his like he was, you know, he was rallying the truth, and everybody was into it, and like you, you could, there was a was a cinematic quality to how how the art, you know, um, played off with the words, and because you could see, you know, um, you know, the everybody that's just sitting there watching them watching the speech and then come to find out after the speech that I was like, Oh wait, this <laughs> apparently that speech was so good that other folks uh, happened to happen to just drop in on it. Also <laughs> to drop in to, uh, to, to, to lend what to maybe possibly lend the support. We actually still don't know about that part. Right. That whole Orisha thing. Yeah. Right. So, cause that's a whole nother, speaking of wild cards, that's a whole nother wild card situation that is, uh, that has kind of been there. And as you said, best and the kind of just popping back in and like, Hey, we, we just gonna mess this up just a little bit. Right. <laughs> for my own, right. for I my mean, own personal. Yeah. I was about to say, this is, this is totally shaping up as, um, uh, uh, what is it? The battle of, uh, the battle of Gondor, <laughs> the battle of Pelennor fields, just in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of different, lots of different factors in play and forces in play. So it's, it, 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 I'm hoping that it's going to come up. It's going to, uh, 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 that Coates will pull it off well. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, honestly, he sold me on this with Queen Ramonda's <laughs> Aragorn play. When I want, when I, and I, and honestly, honestly, I wish I had, well, part of me is just like, I, I wish I had texted you when I read this. I don't remember what time, you know, what, uh, what time last night or today I read this book, but I would have, I would have messaged you and said, so. Queen Ramonda equals Aragorn, huh? (laughs) Or something like that. And, you know, maybe that would have jarred it, but it's funny that you didn't pick up on it. But it's so, like, literally, it's there beat for beat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, I was totally not thinking of Lord of the Rings because I was still in the, like, okay, space epic, you know, and that that whole situation. Um, And I can't think of a, a space epic that would equate to that like the only thing I could even come close to is like about some Battlestar Galactica stuff but that's not even even then you know is not a one-to-one beat with what you were talking about so that is definitely more apt than <laughs> than anything I would have thought about before I before before I beat this particular uh point to death 
the 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 part that got me and if you flip to it if you have your your review copy handy mm. um one of the uh the indigenous wakandan people after the 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 spell is put in as a, the translation spell is put in mm-hmm. the indigenous wakandan says release us i was like oh snap that's it that totally <laughs> that totally hit me but the but the art also uh, kind of clued me in when they were trying to open this you know open this gate so that totally reminded me of that scene as well so it was kind of like a build-up over the course of a few panels on that page right 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 yeah like i said i was just like like let me let me read this and let me see you know like i, I didn't pick up on that uh at all and with that much uh, veracity <laughs> so shout out to you for doing for for that because like that like i knew that was the thing i'm like oh damn she's, she's like they're just sending a reminder out to, to, to talk to the dead and i don't know why i didn't think about that but i didn't so <laughs> all right <laughs> next up much next i guess we can talk about maybe one more book before we go to rapid fire yeah uh hmm uh, what you got? What you got? What you got? What you got? Uh, uh, do you want to talk New Mutants or Maestro Warm Packs? I did read Warm Packs, so I yeah. leave it to you. Um, I would probably say New Mutants. No problem. Because Warm Packs, you're like, yeah, I guess, but it's like that one was kind of like yeah. it is what it is on that one. Right, there isn't too much to that particular issue. That's one of the reasons why I didn't include it mm-hmm. on my um, on my list of books to talk about. So, New, New Mutant 16, 16. is written by Vita Ayala, mm-hmm. with art by Rod Reese, letters by VCs, or Rod Rice, I'm not 100% sure, I heard it pronounced Reese the other day, on a podcast, a Marvel podcast, um, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, um... Go ahead. T- uh, take it away. No, I was just going to say, I'm like, I don't know why, for the life of me, I keep saying it's 18 and not 16, when I know X-Men 18 is the the, the, the number 18 book of this week. Right. Uh, but yeah, so New Mutants uh, 16, uh, we basically... So there's a, a twofold thing that's going on here, and that the, the Shadow King is still... Um, uh, Basically, has some kids under his thrall, and, and not without. I mean, without having to even use his powers, uh, and he is doing a little synergy test of his own with their powers. In you know, uh, I guess before he does what uh, ultimately unsheathes whatever plan he's got going on for uh, Krakoa or and or the mutants at large. Uh, so he's still got that, and that's kind of uh, off the back of what happened in the last issue when one of the uh, young mutants, Kosimar, um, you know, felt basically slighted by Danny, uh, Danny Moonstar during a party, or just in general during the course of the last issue. So the Shadow King's kind of using that to his advantages, along with the other mutants that are that that is uh, the, the young mutants that is along with her. Um, and on the other side of that, we see some more kind of other world shenanigans going on in the the course of, um, 
you know, a, a game of uh, uh, a, scav- a scavenger hunt kind of going wrong and leading to a missing, uh, missing uh, young mutant that Danny and Shan ends up having to go into other world to um, to go and uh, to go and find. And there is another little another little subplot with uh, Rain and her trying to get her son back. Um, and her trying to appeal to the council and uh, X Factor, and um, you know, to, to see what's going on with that, and that goes off into a ways of that it goes off into a sad way, but also, I guess, leads into something that is probably going to get picked up in at some point with that. Definitely, there's definitely you know several plot threads that Vita Ayala is weaving through this issue and this book over the last couple of issues. So, uh, over, you know, since this wild hunt thing started, mm-hmm. so she is definitely, uh, uh, playing with lots of balls in the air. We're not just focusing on one particular story for a while for, for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine like the, at, at some point, um, you know, they'll, they'll probably break those three thousand into their own, uh, in, into their own plots, the main plots. Right. Um, outside of that, yeah, I'm like I'm kind of sort of curious about the whole Shadow King thing, and I also find it kind of weird and curious that so no one has picked up the, the fact that he's here, which I feel like they might have explained some of that, but I don't remember. Um, like one, I, I know. Well, I guess one. How did he end up here? Too was was part of the thing I'm kind of curious about, and the fact that he's uh, on Krakoa and. You know, nobody's picked up on that outside of these mutants who don't wouldn't know anything about him in the first place. Which I guess it makes sense because he's kind of you know, if we know anything about the Shadow King, like he will make himself known <laughs> when he makes himself known. Exactly. So exactly, exactly. So obviously he's using he's using this time to kind of to uh, to do his thing, but it still kind of feels weird to me that that no one's picked up on it. So. I'll just add that part of me was kind of frustrated with the addition of the other world element into the story because I'm like, yo, we just came from there. Right. Um, Excalibur deals with that stuff. Just keep the new mutants out of it for a little while, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, none of this stuff is off limit. None, none of the other world and, 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 and the various worlds and other world connected to other world that is are off limits to the X people now that, uh, you know, they're literal Krakoan gates going to, um, other world. So, right. you know, they find themselves at, uh, in one of the, the, the kingdoms that you would think would be ruled by someone benevolent, benevolent, but not exactly. Hmm. Right. The only friendly, the, the only f- quote unquote friendly, uh, ally that they have in other world, um, or at least front and center, anyway, is yeah, not necessarily on the the, the full up and up, but you got to deal with what you got, with what you got right. on that. So, but yeah, like I, I felt like it, it's been feeling like yeah, definitely all of the other world stuff and anything in the X verse uh, at this point is pretty much is all in one big pot. So they're they're basically being like, you know what, any one of these books is going to touch on any of this other stuff at any given time. Because we've seen this, like, yeah, X-Factor keeps coming into these other books, or, uh, you know, the, the council, you know, uh, the council stuff with that was in Hellions. Uh, you know, they, so they've been basically like, yeah, this is all, 
almost like different parts of one big book. Mm-hmm. Like, like I kind of feel like that's kind of what Hoxpox in itself, in in some sort of strokes, kind of made this out to be. Going into, you know, the the Dawn of X stuff, uh, and now that um, the uh, uh, Exosaurus is finished, that kind of just added more to the pot and cementing that whole thing. To what end? Right. We don't know because we know the future stuff. The the one thing that we know that is coming up that is hasn't been dealt with yet is like the future stuff and whether any of this that's going on right now is going to play into that outside of the uh the nods that they put in every now and then you know that is kind of a thing that i i guess could whether turn people on or off also because like yeah this just seems like something extra like you were kind of saying like this whole other stuff doesn't seem like anything that would be pertinent Right. Know, and obviously, yeah, I was going to say, obviously, you know, obviously, uh, Vita Ayala has, uh, you know, got a particular storyline she wants to play out for because this is, there's a lot of characters in the new mutant slash younger X Men mm-hmm. and younger mutants. So she's got a lot of characters to play with. So, you know, I understand that, uh, you know, like I, like, like I was saying earlier, the, the worlds of, the worlds of other world. Uh, you know, are, are are part of the, as you said, part of the pot mm-hmm. uh, X-Men can play in, so. Indeed. Indeed. All right, and with that said, I think I uh, we can move on to Rapid Fire, no? Yep. Spin it up. Rapid Fire, folks. Um, I... I was about to say, I've got to find a sound effect of somebody yelling out something like light them up or, or open fire or something, you know, kind of like a back to back, uh, sound effect there. Hmm. But yeah, uh, you want to go first? Sure. I'll do that. Um, this is going to be a little tricky because I'm also typing this stuff in, but it's all good. Uh, uh, I was going to say one, I can go first and no, then, no. uh, nah, I got it. Cause I know right. you got a couple more books than I actually ended up reading anyway. So, uh, Maestro War Impacts number two, I believe you also read this. I did. Uh, writing by whoa, these typos I've done. Uh, written by Peter David, art by Javier Pena, and um, was it German Peralta? I believe. Yeah, Ger- uh, yeah, German. Yeah. Uh, colors by Jesus uh, Abertov. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So basically, Doctor Doom ends up chatting with the Pantheon about Maestro, and the Maestro and the and the the Maestro ends up chatting with. The well, excuse me. The Pantheon ends up chatting with the Maestro uh, under dubious uh, reasons, you know. But of course, it's going to go a certain way uh, that uh, the the banner slash the Maestro kind of picks up on halfway through. <laughs> um, and uh, as we noted earlier in the um, uh, before we before we um, but before we started recording, is that they do act actually happened to mention touch on the fact that the Hulk is immortal, which kind of also plays into, you know, in some very minor strokes, the, the immortal Hulk stuff that is currently going on. And so, which we kind of knew even from that, but still, I mean, before that, it's almost like, yeah, what I was going to say is it's almost like Peter David heard us asking about, or heard you asking about and said, I'm going to slide this one word in here. Right. Uh, just to make sure that we kind of, you know, uh, uh, tie some of this up together. Right. So, and I'm yep. still going to bug 
of Roddy Cat about not having yet read, not yet having read Hulk Future Imperfect, the original two-issue miniseries written by Peter David with art by the inimitable George Perez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Um, there was also a backup story in, in this that um, uh, was basically Pantheon-focused and uh, set in the past, which I'm going to assume is going to come up Excuse me, in the main story at some point. Because they've already shown up in the, the main story already. Now, whether one has to do another and in what way, well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, that being said, let's see. Oh, it'd be nice if I actually did do the thing I said I was going to do. Uh, what's next? Uh, X-Men number 18, written by Jonathan... Wait, you, already, you read this also, did you not? I did read it. Cool. Written by Jonathan Hickman, uh, art by Mahmoud Azrar... Colors by Sunny Go. Uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. Um, oh, hey, remember that, that mission that Wolverine, Dokken, excuse me, Darwin, and Sink almost called this, called this the, the first class crew, but that's not true because only Darwin was in first class. Right. Um, right. But uh, went to investigate the, the children of the vault, whom I'm reminded. Uh, from Agent 70 was a storyline that I have very little knowledge of because I wasn't reading Xbox at the time. Uh, but I do remember when they wanted to go on this particular mission. And as I say, I barely do uh, remember all of that because it was something that they kind of just brought up, I don't know how many issues ago. Like, it was a while ago and probably even before... Was it even before or like right at the beginning of uh, Ten of Swords where they, where they sent them off on this? It was before Ten of Swords yeah. because this is one of the stories that went on pause, much like our lives went on pause at the beginning of the pandemic. But that's essentially what happened here. Mm -hmm. But we pretty much get what happened to them uh, when they went in and leading up to a certain point. I know, uh, you know, uh, there was um, one of our small partners uh, was expecting a little bit more out of this book, but I, you know. I can't say that I was. <laughs> right. I mean, I honestly didn't expect that much out of this book because this is definitely, and it probably was informed by the fact that I did go back uh, and did a little bit of further reading because I needed to refresh my memory on who the children of the vault were. Mm -hmm. And these are characters from a specific story arc in X-Men. This is the 91 X-Men title, the, the adjectiveless X-Men title. Um, number numbers 188 to 193. So uh, those of you who have these back issues, you can go back and refresh your memory or you can check out Marvel Unlimited and uh, read those issues because that's what I did. I just flipped through just to refresh my memory because for the life of me, I couldn't remember where this Children of the Vault stuff came from. And I'm pretty sure I did not go back and check that out when they initially sent these three X-Men in because I knew that we were going to skip over all this stuff because of Ten of Swords. So it gave me uh, more than more than ample reason to, to, to um, procrastinate on that bit of research. So... Um, but yeah, that's essentially that's essentially uh, uh, my notes on uh, X Men number eighteen. Gotcha. Uh, let's see, I'm skip those because I didn't necessarily read them. But uh, Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn number five, 
written and scripted well written by uh well scripted by katana collins but written by sean murphy and well i guess sean murphy's pretty much the overseeing it but sean murphy and katana collins script by katana collins colors by uh dave stewart and lettering by and world design so uh Hardy prepares for the final confrontation between the producer, her producer and Starlet. Um, but one of them strikes first, which leads to a, um, uh, which, which leads to a, um, well, hmm, I'm trying to say this without necessarily giving it away, but basically leads to Bruce, um, Bruce uh, breaking out of jail, which pretty much proves that he's just as crafty, you know, uh, at getting out of jail uh, as much of the people he has put in Arkham or whatever jail he's put him in. And he does so thanks to uh, some quote unquote help by Jason Todd, one Jason Todd who just so happens to show up here. Um, but uh, that help was kind of sort of not necessarily needed as. Um, uh, as he was reminded that if he does go in like the the uh, like the night that he is, he would end up uh, adding to time to his sentencing. Um, but the uh, the issue that causes Harley in this issue uh, some grief is coming on un- coming uh, under the guise of a fire in her building, which was set by said. Um, one of said villains and also leads into uh, a, a sad moment at the end with someone that is with, with a, with someone that is close to her. No doubt possibly fueling, uh, you know, go, what's going to go into the fi- final act. So that being said, I still recommend this book. I, I, I the, the, Batman White Knight uh, miniseries have been some great stuff, um, even though it is Elseworlds stuff. Uh, I've still been enjoying it, and this book has been no exception uh, in that. Uh, and the final three books that I have, I'm just going to say they're all out. I didn't necessarily get a ch- Well, actually, I take the back. No, I got one more book. I'm sorry. I did actually skim it. The next Batman Second Son, number one, which is a digital first book as of right now, and it's written by... Um, um, hang on a second. Why did I? Why did I? Pardon me for a second, folks. I'm sorry. Um. I was like, what in the world was I, did I do that? So anyway, j- written by John Ridley, who, as we know, is writing the Future State Batman book, or, or, who is the same character. Um, it is, but yeah, written by John Ridley. Um, pencils by Tony Atkins. A- Akins, I keep wanting to say Akins. Breakdowns mm. by Ryan Benjamin, uh, inks by Mark Morales, colors Rex Locus, and lettering by Daron uh, or Darren Bennett. So basically, this is a pre-Batman, looks like a pre-Batman mission. Uh, without going too far into it, that brings Tim. Uh, that brings Tim to uh, run into the grifter at the end of this. Um, so he's pretty much on the mission to save someone 
But uh, at the end, it looks like the, the Grifter may, may or may not have something to do with it. Which the Grifter also we have seen in Future State also. And this book, I think, pretty much takes place before the events of uh, Future State. And I, I'm going to assume before uh, Tim uh, Fox takes the mantle of Batman. So if you're interested in that, you should definitely check that out. I was actually, uh, you know, I, like I need to actually go back and read it, read it. But it was a good, uh, from what I saw that I skimmed through, was actually not, was actually pretty neat, interesting. Um, and the other couple of books that I have, I didn't get a chance to read it, but I just want to uh, say, hey, these books are art, and you should definitely might want to check these out. Uh, Marvel vs. Legacy number one. I'm not sure why it's labeled number two on in our um, in our in our issue in our books, but um, uh, these are the, some the Marvel the Marvel Voices stuff has as a um, a series of like many stories uh, surrounding some various characters in this particular case, and I think we have kind of talked about this last week. Mostly uh, black characters in this particular issue. Um, despite the fact that um, Jubilee is, is front and center on the cover. <laughs> this is the cover I was talking about. Yes. Was it last week? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a Miles Morales story. There's a um, there's a uh, uh, Monica Rambeau story, which is uh, written by Stephanie Williams, and a lot of people on the internet know her and like her, and I, I skimmed that a little bit, and that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I say that mon- the... the- the Panic at the Supermarket story featuring uh, Photon and her fellow Avengers mm-hmm. was awesome. I read this. Yeah. The story felt so real. Mm-hmm. So so if you like that, you should definitely check out some of her other stuff. Like she has a Patreon where she's doing like other uh, other little stories or whatnot. Like she has got a, like a living single style story with uh, Monica Rambeau, Storm, and a, couple, a few other people that she's doing on Patreon. It's some pretty cool stuff that she's, uh, you know, to, sometimes you can see some, um, some panels of if you enjoy this. Um, so, so yeah, I, I have enjoyed some of the stuff that I've seen coming from her and I'm, I'm hoping she gets to do some more stuff out of this with uh, Marvel going forward. And there's also a domino story um which is actually kind of uh interesting um i'm actually slightly surprised they didn't go wait, wait is this wait was that actually greg land art because i know i remember seeing some greg land art to where that makes her look don't you dare bit. i'm just saying uh but it's not it is not um <laughs> but I do remember seeing a Domino story uh, where Greg Land did the story and she looked more like Whitney Houston, which he has a tendency to do with certain characters like Monica Rampo. Um, no, this is Ken Lashley. I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, there was a, when I first kind of skimmed that part, it was like, they kind of look like it, but not really. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely check it out. Like I said, there's some 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 good stuff in there. And I can't remember. Oh, yeah, the, the last story, I think it's a Blade story. Um, right. Uh, with... It was nice to see. I was going to say it was nice to see Chris Cross uh, doing some Marvel work again. Mm-hmm. He did, uh, he was working on the the symbiote, the Venomverse story right. that comes right after the uh, the Domino story. So you know, uh, for folks who are of a certain vintage, Chris Cross was um, uh, an artist. Uh, you know, is an artist, not was, but is an artist that had like a decent run at Marvel and at DC 
um, in the 90s and the and the earlier aughts and was doing some European uh, stuff on European comic uh, comic uh, uh, anthologies, you know, like larger pieces of uh, comic book work that was that were published in Europe. So it was nice to see him back doing some Marvel stuff. Right. And not to be confused with the 90s um, rap uh, group. Right. <laughs> but you know, rest in peace, which uh, rest in peace. Though, I forget which one uh, passed away, but we only have one member of the rap group crisscross left. True. That is right. I totally forgot about that. Um, but yes, definitely that. Um, and the other book I was going to mention that has come out, actually two other books, uh, sorry. So the graphic novel Nubia Real One. If you're a fan of Nubia, uh, which is a, a DC character who is Wonder Woman's sister, she's black, um, there's a graphic novel that came out this week uh, written by L.L. McKinney. I cannot remember who's doing um, I think um, Aletha Martinez is doing the art for this. I can actually check that really quick. Like, um, No, I am wrong about that. Uh, Robin Smith is the illustrator uh, and the interior colors by Brie Henderson uh, with Robin Smith and uh, Bex Glenningdon and lettering by Ariana Mayer. So um, I believe this is an all-ages book uh, that you can check out. Uh, and um, I, I kind of sort of skimmed this a little bit, but I didn't have a chance to, to read it all the way through. But um, I think... Uh, it is one to check out. I will dare say that. And finally, which um, I'm going to put up here so I don't take up any more time later thinking about this. Um, there is a series that has been going on uh, since September called Represent coming that comes from um, DC Comics. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to pull up the thing here real quick. There we go. Uh, represent uh, started last year uh, in, in September and it's still going and the first issue you can find on Comixology for free uh, so if you are interested in checking this out and that particular issue which I happened to read recently because I just found out that this series was going on um, it is written by well this first issue was written by Christian Cooper and Aletha Martinez I did the pencils for this and the inks were done by Mark Morales and the colors by Emilio Lopez, uh, which I believe also did um, um, uh, that Nubia graphic novel that we just talked about. So this represent, um, I believe that it pretty much goes this way in that um, it says, it says represent stories of personal experiences, unheard voices and social revolution, new voices, uh, social revolution, new voices present relevant topical visions of social change and personal histories. Some true to life while others are semi fictionalized accounts of real experiences. I'm reading from comicsology as you can pretty much see. Um, all have one thing in kind of common innovative styles and compelling story, which examine how cultural builds or culture builds understanding, tracing society's arc towards justice as we evolve in pursuit of a more just and compassionate world. Um, so, and that being said, the first issue does, I, I, I will say the first issue does come with a warning or should come with a warning because if there are some real world images, let's say that got brought up during the course of that story, which has to do with this young, uh, young guy who gets a pair of binoculars from his granddad, uh, 
that uh, are purported to have uh, mystical powers of sorts. And he comes to find out that part is true as he goes through his day, but also uh, comes across some real-world racism as he's going along uh, using these binoculars. So I I will say that. I believe it is at issue five at this point, which just came out. Excuse me, no, it is different. This is... um, yeah, it is issue five that just came out uh, this week, which is called "My Grand is a Hero," uh, and there are like different stories that are that these that, that, that are represented in this uh, in each issue. Uh, there's these one per story, one one story per issue, I should say. So definitely check that out uh, if you are so inclined, and you should because there's actually some good stuff in there, uh, especially if you're looking for stuff for you know. I, I hate to say it because it is the, the, the just the fact that it's uh, Black History Month, but you know more stories like this need to be um, need to be uh, mentioned a lot more often than just this month. And this particular series has been going on since September, and I'm not sure how long it's going to be going on, but I know there's a couple more issues coming out uh, in the next couple of months. Uh, that being said, I believe that is it for me. All right, so. I will run through my books first off. Crossover number four by at Image. It's written by Donnie Cates with art by Jeff Shaw, colors by D. Cuniff, letters by John J. Hill. So Cates is definitely crossing over with his own characters, as I as I mentioned in the la, in, in my talk about the last issue, number three, with the paybacks, as well as using spoiler alert, Madman. You know, this was revealed at the end of last issue. As the story continues, we even get a crossover with God Country. So we're going through all of the Donny Cade stuff. Nice. All right. Next up is uh, Marvel's Snapshots, Captain Marvel number one. This is the um, one of the, the, the several books that are under the Marvel's banner. Um you know, books curated by uh, Kurt Busiek, uh, the writer of the original Marvel's miniseries. Um, you know, and uh, Alex Ross provides the cover to this book. This issue is written by Mark Wade with art by Claire Rowe. <coughs> Excuse me. Colors by Mike Spicer and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. A teenage super fangirl with a big thing for justice named Jenny Saito who is a little younger than Kamala Khan, gets caught up in an Avengers mission when Ms. Marvel, back when Ms. Marvel, was still an Avenger. Both Kamala and Carol Danvers each have a chance to relate to Jenny, their respective experiences growing up. Next up is King in Black, Return of the Valkyries number three. It's written by Jason Aaron and Torun Gronbach, with art by Nina Vacueva, Colors by Tamra Bonvalain and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Uh, some we get some background on Hildegard and the continuing rebuilding of the Valkyrie or the Valkyrior. Actually, I'm going to change that because that's really what the multiple uh, Valkyrie are called. They're the Valkyrior. The name of the new slash old Valkyrie is apparently Van Landy. Uh, this is the character that strongly resembles, or at least is meant to, maybe not strongly resembles, strongly is a little too strong a way of putting it, is meant to remind us of Tessa Thompson. 
and her quest to reclaim Yarnbjorn is in furtherance of a particular goal. Uh, Brunhild, the original Valkyrie uh, that we all know, has started Jane, Danny Moonstar, and Hildegard on a quest to help defeat Null. So obviously this is a King in Black tie-in. It is, in fact, titled King in Black Return of the Valkyries. Uh, next up is Wolverine number 10. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Adam Kubert, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit or Petit. Wolverine and Maverick escape the merchant's clutches, but find themselves on the run from the CIA. The CIA recovers one piece that was being auctioned off. The old Team X takes out a collection of old super equipment and artifacts as part of their effort to stop this tech from falling into the wrong hands. Maverick may not have Krakoa's best interests in mind, as we see at the end of the book. Uh, question real quick. Yes. Do you remember the Wolverine storyline in any of the state? Yeah. Does that have anything to do with that, by chance? You mean when he was brainwashed by Hydra? I guess. I don't remember the story. That's what I'm saying. I was like, I, I remember seeing, hearing about it, and I think I've, I I don't know if I ever read it, but I was like, I don't know if it had anything to do with actually being in the meat of state and you, since you mentioned the CIA or not. No, the CIA stuff is more like Krakoan related, you know, like remember the X-Dex? The yes. X-Desk, that is. Yeah, okay. So that's where that's where it seems to be uh, coming. That That's that's the part of the greater uh, X-Men story that uh, seems to be related to this. So, gotcha. Uh, uh, let's see. Anything else? Um, no, we did X Men number eighteen. Last but not least, for me is Future State: the Dark Detective number four. It's written by Mariko Tomaki with art by Dan Mora, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Aditya Bidikar. This quote-unquote possible future of Gotham City and some strong hints. Uh, at where the current story has some strong hints at where the current uh, Batman or Detective Comics story is heading. Actually, Detective Comics is is, is the book that Mariko Tomaki is taking over, and it reaches a crescendo in this issue with a cliffhanger ending. So this is the ending. So this is meant to be a quote unquote possible future. So we're probably seeing strong hints of where Tomaki is going to take the story in this four issue miniseries. So the yeah, the future state stuff still kind of has me questioning, you know, the timeline wise, because obviously it's a possible future, and there are some stories that are like flung off into the future and stuff that are, you know, just kind of quote unquote a current future, a current or a near future, future right? right. Um, and then of course we know the stuff that we know there's some stuff coming out of, uh, and there's actually like Batman Superman, which also came out this week, which I intended to read. Also, as opposed to, this, I mean, in, in addition to this, pretty much takes a place. Seemingly at the beginning of Future State, like before things happened. Or before some things happened. Okay. At least that's what it seemed like. Because I don't know, because it was, yeah, it's like there are certain things that happen at various time frames in Future State, which is kind of weird, but at the same time, it's like piecing it together has uh, been slightly interesting in certain, certain respects. But I understand. Kind of a chore in others. Like the like we've said um, we've said in passing the 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 most coherent stuff has pretty much been the Gotham stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that seems to be the stuff that's happening in the near future, right? So, or the yeah, as the current 
the quote unquote the current time in the near future, whatever. Right. Uh, as as that right. makes any sense. As near to the, or I was about to say, as near future to, as near a future to where we left off. Right. Before this this two month events. Uh, took place. So, uh, come next week, I believe. Well, no, we're definitely done with uh, Future State, I believe. I believe so, yeah, because uh, it was only two months. Yeah. Right. So, we will be heading right back into the regular DC continuity and we will see where all this goes over right. the next several months. And that will be the Infinite Frontier and some of the stuff from Future State is still coming, coming with right. that. So, uh, that being the case, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. So it didn't, just didn't actually say anything, but yeah. So no, I mean it was kind of like it wasn't like a week. It wasn't like a poor week. Mm-hmm. It was just I, I, you know, part of me. I, I'm sympathetic with what uh, Tim Dog ninety eight told us in the back channels. Hmm. I definitely had some favorites though. Don't get me wrong. Right. Yeah, there's some good stuff. It's just like sure stuff we kind of knew was already good in the first place. Uh, in certain respects, um, right. which is slightly kind of making this hard. Like right. I, I mean, I'll give you my, I'll give you my three okay, candidates sure. right now. Hit it. So my three candidates are kind of the what you would expect, and one that's been a little bit of an outlier for me. That one that would be an outlier for me because it, I admit that it's been kind of hard keeping up. So the two that are kind of easy to predict are Black Cat number three and Magnificent Miss Marvel number eighteen. The outlier for me is Black Panther number twenty three, and it, and it is it made my top three because of the Aragorn play. So <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that that brought me much joy reading that book. I was like, oh snap! <laughs> um, so so I those are my three. I I. I pre I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with my initial reaction, which is uh, Black Cat number three. Mm. Yeah, I'm I am pretty much leaning that way also. But and yeah, I kind of agree with uh with with your picks or with your with your with the with your candidates, right? Yeah. Um, I I do wish I had uh read more into that Marvel Voices because that one would probably be one of them based on the strength of a couple of the the um couple of the uh stories that I did actually kind of skim through but I didn't go right. through the whole thing. It was short and sweet for yeah. the most part so that's a little tough. You know that that kind of book mm-hmm. uh, unless the unless all of the stories were like super strong it's kind of tough to pick, make that a pick but listen if, if they're all yeah. up your alley I definitely liked a few of them, right. but it wasn't like it wasn't enough for me to say this is my click of the week. Exactly. But like I said, that supermarket one was right up my alley. I was like, <laughs> oh, that 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 hits me very close to home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, definitely definitely check out uh, Stephanie Williams and her, and her stuff. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite lines was uh, they get to the checkout part and and uh, uh, the checkout cashier is like two hundred something dollars for the bill. And She Hulk is like, I'm a lawyer, but I'm not a corporate lawyer. And, and Thor is like, I'm the god of thunder, but I can't make it rain like that or something <laughs> like that. I was just, like, oh my god. Yeah, definitely. And follow her on, uh, I think it's uh, Steph underscore I underscore Will, something like that. I believe that is her. Um, that is her thing on Twitter. Definitely follow yeah, her because I was about to follow her. Yeah, so I, definitely give her a follow because a lot of you know she will 
have some non sequiturs of of you can see where some of this stuff comes from. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so uh, she, she's a she's a pretty good follower on that. Um, so I guess you you you're pretty much going with Black Cat. Yeah, say? Black Cat. Nine lives, short days, long nights. <laughs> Living on the edge, not afraid to die. I was like, shout, yeah, like shout out to Miss Janet. Janet. Yeah. <laughs> like, is he really going there? Yes, he did, folks. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, so, Black Cat number three for eight to seventy. I think actually, uh, I think I'm actually going to go with Magnificent Miss Marvel. Um, probably no surprise because like you know we we have loved Miss um, Marvel uh, between the two of us definitely on this panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been consecutively, consistently good, definitely, um, alongside the likes of Black Cat. And, you know, and Black Pants was also good, too. Um, you know, usually. Uh, but definitely, like, like you know, those, the, the, the Black Knight, was, I, every time that Hollywood Quinn book comes out, I always say something about that, so there's not, no need for me to really go on that too much more, for, too much, uh, too much more but... The stuff that I've mentioned also would be cool to check out for for some folks. Uh, definitely. And oh my god! What's that? What's that? Nothing. Nothing. It's something that'll come up in the news. Uh, it'll, it'll come up in the, the the cinematic news. I'm gonna make sure to bring it up. All right. Um, and but, on uh, that point. No, no. What what I what right. I'll mention is um. What I'll mention is um. Oh man, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. I had it on the tip of my tongue. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll let it go. Yeah, if it comes up, I can bring it up. Um, right. So now we are going into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rose to cabernet to torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we get into the cinematic news as we do about this time. Starting off with uh, Modoc releases synopsis for the first two episodes. Uh, so, you know, the, the synopsis for the first two episodes of Hulu Stop Motion Modoc series will send the Marvel villain to unexpected places, like a third eye blind concert. 
Um, Marvel and Hulu released the plots for the first two episodes of the show, which still doesn't have a release date. Uh, the beginnings of the series will see Modoc lose control of AIM and also fall out with his wife and family. Uh, to fix things, he'll go to any lengths, and you can check out the synopses uh, in the article in the show notes. Next up. All right, next up. Uh, I guess it is now officially. Not yet officially, actually. One more. Sonic's Ben Schwartz wants to uh, wants to play a surprisingly obscure Marvel superhero. Ben Schwartz, perhaps best known to to younger fans as the voice of Sonic in the Sonic the Hedgehog film and Dewey on Disney's recent DuckTales series, has an interesting idea for what obscure Marvel superhero he would love to bring to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Slapstick. Okay. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, yeah, that's a deep cut. <laughs> okay but hey there you go that's i guess it makes sense he's playing sonic so why not um we'll right along though now we get into the wandavision portion of the uh of the news section so folks um there will be spoilers uh if if you're watching this in the audio or if you listen to this in the audio there's a spoiler tag at the beginning of the show but well, we are gonna, gonna ring you, the bell anyway yes but we're still gonna say hey spoilers folks in three, two, one. Well, first off, in the news section, uh, uh, episode seven's opening credit has this touching Stan Lee Easter egg, which I didn't, I didn't, uh, I saw, but I didn't put together. So apparently, someone on Twitter caught the. Um, there was a license plate that comes up in the uh, opening credits that has uh, Wanda on it and some numbers at above her name. Uh, these numbers apparently seem to represent Stanley's birthday, as some person on Twitter uh, caught sight of, which is uh, twelve twenty-eight twenty-two, which is December twenty-eighth, nineteen twenty-two. Um, and uh, this article notes that um, that Stanley died uh, a couple of years ago at uh, age ninety-five, which you know still is, still, still kind of hurts. Uh, and there it says this Easter egg is a touching way for Marvel Cinematic Universe to include him, even if it's not a traditional cameo, if that is indeed what they were going for, which have no reason to believe wasn't the case. Next up. Sorry. Uh, next up. Uh, WandaVision episode seven has a mid credit scene. And that's, and, and I'll just say that because we're, we're probably going to bring it up when we're talking about the episode in general, mm -hmm. but, uh, it's mid credits. So it's not, you know, you, you have to, uh, get a couple of credits first and then you get the mid credit scene. So for folks who have not yet watched WandaVision episode seven, um, and we did ring the spoiler bell. So you probably fast forward past this, but in any event, just in case there is a mid credit scene in episode seven. So you need to be patient when the credits come on. Yeah. Which if you have been conditioned, like most of us, have, well, like most of folks have been during the Marvel cinematic universe, you probably were already doing that anyway, just for, <laughs> at the very least the first couple of episodes. Cause like, I'm not going to lie. I did that. I think a lot of people did, and then it seemed like they were going to uh, they were they were going to forego it, but then they okie doked us, mm -hmm. and uh, next thing you know, episode seven, right? You know, uh, just a few episodes before the end of this particular season, we get a mid credit scene. Mm -hmm. 
So, and I think actually I was still doing it until now to think about it. Um, you know, whether intentionally or not, it was like, let me just hit the, hit the watch credit things just in case. But also I feel like the way Disney plus kind of has it set up, um, they would have like the watch credits or skip to the next thing, you know, when it was safe to do that. And if I'm, if I remember correctly, it doesn't do that until actually, I'm not actually, I don't know if it does that or not. Cause it might actually do it before the, the, in the credit scene. I would have to go back and, and check that out, but it's not worth doing. Right. I was about to say, it depends on the movie. I know what you're talking. I know what you're referring to, whether or not they automatically boot you out into the, the watch next, or if they let, and, and they let the credits kind of scroll in like a right. smaller screen, mm-hmm. smaller window that is. Right. Yeah. That too also, but I'm just saying just, just in general, the, Hey, either skip to the next thing or watch the, you know, go ahead and watch the credits. It's the right. thing that they sometimes do. So, it is kind of interesting that they, I feel like they held off on them, but I don't remember if that was the case or not, honestly. Uh, next up, though. Uh, so now we're going to get into the meat of it. And I guess, let me see, we got two, let's say one more after this, and then we can get into, well, actually two more, but, and then we can get into the meat of it. But this was pretty much where the meat would come in on it. So WandaVision's seventh episode answers two big questions, but introduces two more. I'm not necessarily going to go into this too too much, because we're definitely going to just talk about the episode uh, in a minute or two. But there was definitely a couple of big things that happened. And if you're watching the video, one of them uh, you can see. <laughs> one of them you can see on the video. Uh, so next up. All right. Uh, this week, or last week, uh, you missed episode seven's most ominous message if you blinked. So uh, during the office style opening included a threatening message that soon vanishes. Um, let's see here. So instead of featuring the entire cast of characters on WandaVision doing mundane things around Westview, similar to the office's opening, to the office's opening, which is what it was inspired by, this week's opening is just about Wanda Maximoff. Um, What you do get, though, is uh, the opening uh, features the name Wanda repeated multiple times in different styles, with Vision only being included in the final title. Along with the switch, there's something else off about the opening. And I did see this. Mm-hmm. While the name Wanda flashes across the screen at the 4 minute, 17 minute mark, um, her name is spelled out in magazine clips re- resembling a ransom note. In a blink and you'll miss it moment, the camera then reveals the rest of this uneasy message, which reads, I know what you are doing, Wanda. Yep. And if you're watching the video uh, version of this uh, uh, of this podcast, you can see uh, that being flashed up right now. So that being case, uh, last but not least, on on before we get into the the um, the recap of the episode, uh, a big one division Easter egg may tie into Loki, and that has to do with the the commercial that comes up mid uh, episode, apparently. So, um, it says here that almost every episode of WandaVision is included in a commercial break that seemingly ties into Wanda's past and the grief she carries around. Uh, in the latest one, however, the show appears to reflect her current state of mind with an ad for Nexus and antidepressant. And we'll probably go into this a little bit more also, but, um, and, you know, because 
I will go ahead and say here's this. Yes, Scarlet Witch is the Nexus being. She's pretty much the, the, the one that ties the Nexus together, and that's uh, that's been going through a lot of people's theories at this point. Um, so, and this uh, commercial is pretty much cementing possibly some of that. But according to this article, which also mentions mentions that uh, she's a Nexus being. And what we come to find out at the end of this uh, episode with who could potentially be behind it, uh, this also points to the fact that the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, who, if you've watched that uh, Loki um, trailer, you know, that's going to be a part of that. And um, one theory is suggesting that Loki will pretty much cut a deal with the TVA for his freedom in, in exchange for helping them repair or close broken timelines. So if that's the case, it this would allow him to um, travel in any point in time, including post-adventures in game New Jersey, which kind of sort of lends to my theory that he that Loki may have shown up during the course of this uh, or during the course of the show as someone else, because we know he has the ability to do that. And I know I've told uh, Agent 70 my theory about that after the show, which I won't necessarily go through here. Because mm-hmm. uh, we're also a couple hours away from uh, a new episode dropping, so there you go. Right. Um, oh yeah, and then, then they talk about the, the, the that big Mandalorian thing, uh, but we don't need to go into that now. Uh, before we go to the rest of the news, we will go into a recap of episode seven, Wandavision. Just, we have one. We have one more Wandavision story, and it's just a minor uh, yeah, one. Yeah, that's a minor one, though. But yeah, go ahead. You know, just it's just a modern. You know, this episode is based off uh, is is inspired by Modern Family, which, as I mentioned, and, and it'll lead right into our, uh, our 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 review of the show. Mm-hmm. But um, this is well past my prime in terms of uh, sitcom watching age. So I did. I you know I am not a Modern Family watcher. I'm not sure about Roddy Cat. I've probably seen an episode or two, but I've never I never watched it. I know, I know that Ted Bundy and and Sofia Vergara are in it. That's about it. Yep. Um, and somehow they're married, which is very Al Bundy, amazing. not Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy is a totally. Ted, oh, that's right, Al Bundy. Oh my God, <laughs> Ted Bundy's a serial killer. I'm getting tired here, folks. Yeah, I got. I need to reload. <laughs> that's so funny, Al Bundy. You know the Polkai football hero. <laughs> um, that's so funny. Um, so yeah, apparently, um. One of the stars of Modern Family uh, noted on Instagram that one year to the day since they wrapped Modern Family and uh, tonight, as in last week, uh, they're part of WandaVision. Uh, Julie Bowen uh, wrote on Instagram, she starred as Claire Dunphy throughout Modern Family's entire decade-long run and even directed two episodes. They paid homage to you know several shows and to see their show as a classic, quote unquote, through the eyes of an incredibly innovative Marvel show left her speechless from the breaking of the fourth wall to the fabric of the couch. Wow, what a great way to celebrate a bittersweet anniversary. Oof. Yeah, I know, right? Okay. I know a lot of people like Modern Family. I was like, yeah, okay, it's sure. That's the thing. It's a show. I was about to say, like I said, it's a it's a sitcom. Uh, I'm a little beyond my, uh, my 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 sitcom watching days, but you never know. The right sitcom, sitcom will pull me back in. So I was about to say, is there such a thing as a as a as a um, as an age that you get you, you get past sitcoms? <laughs> I don't know. There's sometimes where you know, like uh, certain sitcoms draw you in because you're the target demographic. I mean, sure, 
But like yeah. I don't know if you ever really quit a sitcom like like a lot of people say they quit cartoons. Yeah, I saying. guess. I guess because it's designed it's designed to be uh much more uh widely um uh, widely re- ranging, right? You know, much more wide ranging, much more uh, uh, broadly uh, appealing. So, right. and as we've seen from Wonder Village, it still works for a lot of people, for some people anyway. Right. So right. let's get into that. Um, since since we are here, uh, we're going to again, folks. We are going to recap episode seven of Wonder Vision. So, duh, spoilers. Come on. Right. You've, you've been here. Seriously, we are still in spoiler territory. We I, wait. Uh, we rang the bell a while ago, right? I can ring it again. I'll ring it again. All right. Spoilers again, folks, for WandaVision episode seven. Just out of curiosity, are you using CNET or Vulture? Uh, CNET, but it's not uh, linear. Yeah, that's kind of hate about that, but. I was about to say, do you have a linear one? Uh, the Vulture one seems linear. Like, just a little behind-the-scenes, folks, but, you know, hey. Because <laughs> it's been a week, and, you know, we could do it by, off the top of the head. We'd probably miss something. Um, right. It's much more, I was about to say, it's much more concise if we just have something to, to uh, follow along. Basically. All right, so I'm going to pull up the Vulture one. Just give me a moment. Episode 7. All right, I've got it up. Yeah. So you were going to set up? Sure. So you know, as we mentioned, as you know, as we mentioned earlier, the opening hark, uh, harkens back to uh, some uh, '90s and 2000s um, uh, te- television shows and sitcoms, including The Office and um, Modern Family, and um, the the show uh, evokes Modern Family. Including the, um, you know, that's the particular sitcom reference. Including the breaking of the fourth wall that we get over several um, moments in the uh, in the episode. Um, you know, we see Wanda waking up and noticing that Vision side of the bed is empty, um, and she says, and she tells an unseen interviewer, "Look, we've all been there, right?" Letting our fear and anger get the best of us, intentionally expanding the borders of the false world we created. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Tommy and Billy come into the bedroom and say and, and tell Wanda that their game is freaking out, and we get a flashback to the, uh, the kids playing with modern video game controllers that suddenly warp into um, twenty six Atari twenty six hundred uh, joysticks, then into Uno cards. Yeah, and there's uh, one more in there too, but of like a GameCube controller or something like that. But, was it a GameCube or N sixty four? It was one of those two. I can't remember which though, but yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely one of the bigger ones, and you, that you that, that that took up uh, a lot of space between your uh, the your left and right hand. So, um, uh, this one this one hit. I remember this hitting a little too hard. Uh, in the confessional, Wanda says she's planning on taking a quarantine-style staycation. I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, wow, just, 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 yeah. Way to go. Yeah. We're already there, but... <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Uh, and we find out that while she's in bed, she takes off the sheet and is revealed to be dressed in her brightly colored superhero spandex, uh, curiously enough. 
um, you know, and, and, and several things start to uh, kind of uh, go on the fritz, as it were. Uh, you know, she's trying to prepare some breakfast of uh, sugary cereal with almond milk, but the almond milk bottle warps into whole milk and then a glass bottle of milk. So it seems like maybe her hex is slightly overextended. Uh, basically, Wanda says, uh, I'm not sure what this is all about. It's probably just the case of the Mondays. Am I right? And you know that became the meme of the week. <laughs> um, Poor Garfield. Exactly. So we get the so we get the uh, the, the theme song, and um, the next thing we have is uh, we head back to you know we go back to the now further the 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 sword mobile headquarters which is now located further out <laughs> from from where the previous sword mobile headquarters was transformed into a circus. Right. Thanks um, to an expansion by Wanda of of Westview. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. So apparently the signal of the sitcom has gone dead air, and um, it looks like Hayward wants to make a move. Uh, he says, we launch today. Um, meanwhile, uh, Vision is on the ground somewhere waking up, and he's you know we find him on the grounds of that traveling circus that the previous S.W.O.R.D. headquarters had turned into, filled with clowns and sideshow types. Um, the strong man asks, are you the new clown? Uh, in a nod, perhaps to the fact that, uh, Superman, the first modern superhero was partially modeled on circus strongmen. Um, vision sees Darcy who's chained up as an escape artist. <laughs> so right here is worth notice that unlike everyone around her, she is largely unchanged, um, uh, with within reason, like yeah, her clothes changed a little bit. I mean, her clothes definitely changed, but nothing about her uh, appearance. Nothing else about her appearance really changed, thankfully. Um, so that is a kind of one thing coming out of the last episode we were kind of wondering about because we never did see her change into a different person, like we saw pretty much everybody else who got caught. So we weren't really right. sure I mean, how she, that yeah, exactly. Out. Her clothes change and. Uh, and 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 her obviously her her mind changes somewhat because right. she's now an escape artist. But she although she her... does say that she tried out for the bearded lady, but her alabaster skin wouldn't wouldn't pass. Right. So basically, her so her uh, personality still hasn't also hasn't changed, even if you know her you know parts of her memories did. Right. All right. So um, let's see here. Um, back in Westview, Wanda asks Tommy and Billy if they've seen their dad, and they say no, and, um, they also talk about, uh, Pietro, um, and his claim that the Vision is dead, but went with the, but Wanda, uh, kind of snaps at them and says, he's not their uncle and therefore should not be trusted, um, she tells the kids that they want her to have answers she can't provide and that she's starting to believe that everything is meaningless, um, so it was a little weird at that point. I definitely got uh, some weird vibes. Um, right. You could definitely see Wanda's kind of uh, kind of going through some depression, uh, obviously, at in, in the beginning of this. And it's showing itself a little bit more uh, at this point. And also worth noting that, yeah, even though Pietro's brought, got brought up, he doesn't show up in anywhere in the course of the, the main part of the episode. Right. So, 
while they're on the couch, in uh, and uh, Wanda hears the door open. Guess who? It's Agnes. Uh, Wanda says she'd get up to say hi, but she just doesn't want to. That was Depression. funny. What's that? Depression. Of course. Agnes grabs the kids and says she'll watch after them so Wanda can have a mental health day, making a joke about needing someone to look at a mole on her back as she exits with them. Ugh. So, now alone, Wanda goes back to chewing her sugar snaps only to see various objects around the home glitch out into their older versions. She says, I'm fine, I'm fine. But she definitely doesn't look like it. And we cut to Jimmy, Wu, and Monica Rambeau in a sword military vehicle doling out exposition. Jimmy reads Darcy's hacked info about Hayward's plans on his phone, saying there's a project called Cataract, uh, where Hayward is trying to revive Vision and use him as a sentient weapon, only to have Wanda steal the cyber corpse. Um, when they, they, they arrive at a supposedly secret meetup, near the hex with some sword members who are loyal to Monica, not Hayward, who roll out a giant space-type vehicle that looks like the, uh, according to this uh, article, the illicit offspring of a geodesic dome and a monster truck. Pretty much. Um, Which was not what I was expecting her to, 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 uh, to get. Not at all. Not at all. So, um, you know, back in the circus, um... Vision struggles to get Darcy to remember who she is, and he uses his powers. I don't understand this whole thing about touching people to like reboot them. That's just weird. I kind of um, get it. Like I said, it was the whole Age of Ultron thing where where he went inside. He did the, pretty much did the same thing to uh, to Ultron. So I kind of get it, but yeah, it's still weird because it's not something that we have seen in the comics, and I think that's what makes it well, weird. Well, yeah, that is also true. I was gonna, yeah, and, for me at least, right? Know? And I don't think he, we've ever seen him do it to humans, like ever right whether comics or 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 cinematically so it's like yeah it's definitely weird to see that happening right so um you know she introduces herself as darcy lewis and uh vision says oh dr darcy lewis that made me laugh <laughs> yeah i know right uh, was, yeah everybody else has been calling her darcy and i was like no he's giving her her props <laughs> right you know, Vision says he intercepted info about her work at one point. Um, so they try and they make their getaway in a funnel cake truck, which is funny. Right. And I believe um, that that was that um, that was that um, PC thing. The the the, the, the email they, that was on the PC from last episode. That was uh, I guess that was from her. I don't think we ever established whether that was actually from her or not. Right. Unless it said on the screen and just and I just missed it. But you know, I don't I don't recall. But that's that's a good possibility. Yeah. Good possibility. Um, Wanda, we, we flash back to Wanda where, uh, well, we cut, you know, we cut back to Wanda at home where the glitches are getting more extreme. And you, we even see the stork that everyone has a lot of suspicions about making appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, a voice behind the camera uh, responds to some stuff that Wanda says about uh, not being able to uh, fix everything and she doesn't understand why it's happening. The voice behind the camera asks her, do you think maybe this is what you deserve? And Wanda, confused, counters with what? You're not supposed to talk. So that, you know, that's definitely something that we're used to when when we watch these uh, shows that have these confessionals. Mm. Uh, 
And it's you worth know, noting. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was about to say worth noting that the voice uh, that we hear is kind of sort of distorted, I think. Uh, so we don't necessarily know who or if or if we even supposed to know who it is. But obviously, you know, um, it's it, it was irrelevant at the time. <laughs> right. And it wasn't I, I was just going to say they make the voice the the source of the, the or at least the person behind the voice unclear. Right. So uh, the, just a bit about the commercial. Um, there's, you know, uh, WandaVision has these commercial send ups and um, it's a send up of a sort of antidepressant ad, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, unfortunately all too common nowadays. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, ask the doctor about Nexus. The voice says a unique antidepressant that works to anchor you back to your reality or the reality of your choice. Side effects were told include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your identity, seizing your destiny and possibly more depression. Oh, <laughs> right. And, and and read into that with what I just said prior to our recap about the, the potential ties to Loki and, and whatever else. But also, right. um, you know, if you if it wasn't clear by now that this episode, you know, one was going through depression and mm-hmm. also her powers being affected by that, because, you know, as we have seen glimpses of in the past, you know, um, the um, once she kind of lets go of control or loses control, things tend to happen that she was not expecting. But also, we kind of get the idea that she's not fully, you know, she, she's not fully the one uh, in control of what's going on. So, anyway, next up. Um, we cut to Agnes sitting with Tommy and Billy, and Billy pets uh, Senior Scratchy the rabbit. And... Um, he says that he likes that the bunny's quiet, but Agnes says he's quiet on the inside. Um, all right. Uh, Tommy asks if Wanda's okay, and Agnes says she sure is uh, because she's super mom and then gives a Jim Halpert look to the camera that's followed by a confessional in which she says, you tried telling a 10-year-old that his mother's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, <laughs> which I thought, I was like, I, I laughed at that because it was like, okay, yeah, I... I the, the the references one and two was like yeah that sounds like that would definitely be something that would happen in that situation, but also <laughs> that whole Agnes is quiet on the inside is is a thing that kind of will well it doesn't necessarily get touched on but it's like yeah you can kind of you get the glimpses of what is being uh what's being put out there with that right. All right. Next up is, uh, you know, we cut to Monica getting uh, dressed in something like a spacesuit, and Jimmy tells her Godspeed as she gets into the sword vehicle. Um, they say that it's the most heavily armed space rover, and uh, Monica's going to sail right through unharmed. Ha ha. Monica puts it in gear and drives towards the hex at full speed, only to crash into it with the front just barely entering and the rest struggling to get through. The density's matching hers, somebody cried out. Um, the truck starts to spark, but it looks like it ends up that it's being rewritten, uh, as uh, Jimmy Wu says. Uh, Monica escapes just as the rover gets spat out by the hex, revealing that the front that entered has been turned into that of a dirty pickup truck. Monica, unfazed, takes her helmet off, turns back, and then turns around and just makes a break for it. Right into the hex. 
which is probably ends up being one of my favorite parts of this episode. Uh, but also worth noting the whole density, the density matching thing. I would kind of wonder if that had something to do with vision. Cause we know that's his power set. Like, I wonder if like you, you pretty much mixed, uh, Wanda's powers with the fact that, you know, he has power set, or it could be just the fact that now she just up the strength of the barrier. I don't know. Right. So, uh, what we see as Monica is making her way slowly but surely through the barrier is that um, we get multiple versions of Monica um, that, that that show up like ghost images and you know in bright colors and we have echoing voices from her past uh, being played out. We get uh, um, Nick Fury. We get her her mom uh, Maria Rambo. We get Carol Danvers, and when she finally makes it through the hex. She sees everything in strange colors, like uh, seeing electromagnetic wavelengths. So um, for those of you in the know, and we hope you are, it seems like she is being transformed in front of our eyes into her photon spectrum Captain Marvel powers. Yeah, I was about to say, some would say she was seeing different spectrums. Ah, absolutely, or seeing photons. Exactly. you know, what's more, her eyes are ice blue. Um, they revert back to their usual brown when she blinks, and the usual shades of Westview return. Uh, back at the funnel cake truck, Darcy's explaining to Vision the events of Infinity War. <laughs> oh, by the way, also, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, before you go in, because I think, and I may not be the only one to liken this to it, but it's also kind of like a Matrix like when, when me, uh, Neo um, uh, absorbs uh, Smith and he starts breathing. And everything starts to come back into, you know, everything around him just kind of expands or whatnot. And just kind of, just, then he just cont- gets back in control of himself. It, it's almost feel like it, he, she was kind of going through that moment, a moment similar to that. Monica, rather. I have to go back and I, uh, that part I don't specifically remember from the Matrix, but I definitely remember uh, Neo looking out and being able to see the Matrix, right. which was my uh, background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Up until this week. Right. You know, like seeing the walls of the Matrix and seeing the agents at the end of it. So mm-hmm. that's definitely what that is reminiscent of. But um, getting back to Darcy and the Vision, uh, Darcy has to explain what happened to the Vision when uh, when Wanda destroyed the um, the the Mind Stone and all of that stuff. Um, they run into a traffic light in the middle of a desolate road. Then it rains. Then there's a construction crew. And Vision says he thinks Wanda's creating impediments to keeping the, to keep them from exiting the hex. And it was pretty funny to see that happen. Or to um, get to her, I guess. I think it was what was said. Because I think, because from what, the way I read it, I know this article was saying that keeping her from exiting the hex, but, like, they were trying to get... Or to, getting back home, actually. Right, to get her, because I think he even says, like, I believe she's trying to keep me from getting her back home. So mm-hmm. this article is slightly, slightly different. Um, no, I read it. I read it that same way as well. Yeah, but also um, I, the whole the explanation that Dar- Darcy had to go through uh, with the vision pretty much cements the fact that well, clearly when he was brought back, he his some of his memories were of uh, the Avengers and everything leading up to a certain point of uh, Endgame. I guess you know. Well, I guess it just well, yeah, just. His his memories were gone at at a certain because he clearly didn't because remember last uh, episode he didn't remember who the Avengers were which he would right. know 
and then this one when she's going through when she's uh, when she's when Darcy's going through it, he even I think he even says at some point kind of cutting you know with the one of the side shots like I don't remember any of this or something like that I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So clearly, her his his memories had been taken from him, or I don't know why they did it, or Tor did it, or whoever had him did it, or whatever the case may be. Right, right, right. Just as you said, uh, you know, up until this point, Vision's already said in the show that he doesn't remember anything before Westview. Mm-hmm. So, um, Darcy does say that the one thing she knows is that his love for Wanda is real. So, you know, talk about, uh, uh-huh. you know, a touching pull on the heartstrings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, back in Westview, Wanda's popping pills, the, um, the Nexus pills, uh, at home. And Monica bursts in and Wanda yells at her, get out! And uh, and says that she doesn't want to hear any bad news. All you do is lie, she shouts. I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, she tries to crush Monica by tossing her up and down with telekinesis, but Monica uh, basically uh, resists. And uh, it looks like she's about to activate her powers. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Monica says that Monica tells Wanda that Hayward's going to burn down Westview and make Wanda out to be the villain. And uh, Agnes sees everything happening out of her window, and she goes to see what's going on. And um, in the, uh, as this is happening, Monica says that you know she knows grief, and she tries to empathize and sympathize with uh, with Wanda, um, trusting trying to get through to her. And Agnes walks over and says, "Monica has overstayed her welcome." That escorts Wanda away. Now, before I go on, I saw someone recompose that meme with the two ladies pointing and the cat. Yes, um, I saw that too. Yes. Right, and they recomposed it with Agnes and and, and, and Wanda and uh, Monica as mm-hmm. the cat, and I laughed. I was like, oh my god, that's so on point. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, back, to, back to our little quickie recap. Um, Wanda says to Monica, don't make me hurt you. Then um, uh... They're interrupted somewhat by a mailman that that's from, from previous episodes walking by. Um, we get, you know, we kind of flash back to Vision. We, you know, we cut back to Vision and Darcy now being blocked by a long line of school children. Um, and Vision jumps into a confessional saying the experiences of Infinity War feel so long ago that they're like they happen to someone else. So apparently he is starting to remember stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to Darcy filling in some blanks. Um, but for Wanda, it was mere weeks ago. Um, he says that he says he doesn't know why he's doing this damn interview, which I thought was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, he's like, why am I even doing? Yeah, <laughs> he keeps he gets up, rips off the microphone, and flies away. Um, uh, which Agnes, also, so, so we, hold on. So, so uh, one other thing, actually, on that point, which I think you probably get to in a second. Uh, two things actually, because I noticed the article says something about the mailman. Uh, part, of, part of that and mentions right. a certain specific mailman which I was like I seriously doubt that because one that mailman would be a little older and would be with the FF <laughs> if you know who what mailman I'm talking about points to you I have no no prize but uh, but also on this uh, the vision that the whole part with what you just mentioned with vision part like okay he was outside of the truck um, which I know they they make a notice. I've seen a video with that makes a note of this, but also I'm like, yeah, I noticed that too. But also, I was like, well, it's not really the same thing because he's on the outside of the truck that he and Darcy are in as they are traveling, but he's doing the interview outside of that same truck when he leaves. 
uh, but then goes into you know what you're. I think we we're about to leave. What you're about to get into, where when he actually flies off and leaves right. from said truck. Basically, basically, um, Agnes brings Wanda into her house, which looks you know like a, which looks more like a creepy old mansion than it did before when we saw uh, Tommy and Billy in there. Um, Let's see. Uh, um, they're in the living room, and uh, Senior Scratchy is in a cage, and there's a weird-looking bug on the drapes. Um, Wanda asks Agnes about the twins, and Agnes says that they're probably playing in the basement. So Wanda walks to the basement door and looks into the dark area below, calling out the boys' names with no answer. She walks down the steps and through hallways covered in what are either big vines or tree roots. She gets to a kind of inner sanctum room that looks like it's part of a European castle. All stone and eerie light. There's a glowing object, perhaps a book. Yes. We've on a seen, shelf we've seen um we've seen potential like i think somebody someone noticed like yeah there's a, mar- a lot of books in the marvel universe that could that could be and we've even seen one of them in agents of shield but we doubt it's that book right um, i did see uh i did see speculation that this could be the missing book from the yes. uh the, the library at Comartage. Right. It's or, in Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of that. And I think some people, well, I know some people also mentioned the fact that, you know, wanted to call them out to the boys and them not answering could also be possibly that uh, leaning to the comic side where, you know, you know, the the being the the boys are figments of her, uh, of her imagination that, that, that she, they disappeared when she didn't think about that. But I think we're probably past that point. Right. So, um, so Agnes, uh, uh, speaks up and her voice is very different. She says, Wanda, Wanda. <laughs> she strolls into the light with, uh, Mr. Scratch, our senior Scratchy in her arms. Uh, you didn't think you were the only magical girl in town, did you? The name's Agatha Harkness. Lovely to finally meet you, dear. Um, her eyes glow and Wanda gets, um, the uh, 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 as written in this article, mind whammied. Right. So yeah, she wound up pretty much get the same thing that she ends up doing to the people in Age of Ultron. Right. So abruptly, we get an entirely different credit sequence. This one for a show mm-hmm. called Agatha All Along, complete with peppy music and lyrics about Agatha. And it goes on from there. Yeah. So that was pretty, pretty <laughs> snappy. I tell you that much. It, I, I, I literally played that from Spotify, folks. You can find that on Spotify right now. And shout out to uh, Catherine Hahn, who's pre- pretty much been a tutor for us during this whole, um, during this whole um, show, you know, in, even in her various incarnations up to now. And even coming into, you know, what we, what a lot of people knew who's, you know, her real identity, you know, we're just waiting for this part to happen. Like, uh, I know like it, myself and probably, uh, agent 70, just like, yeah, we was waiting for the reveal of it, uh, being Agatha. Didn't expect it to be in a, in a, um, in a theme song, uh, <laughs> as, as a part of a theme song, but it was great. Oh, it was, it was, it was one of the, the, the best parts of this episode. Um, you know, we get a montage 
of um, uh, shots of Agatha magically altering the course of events in the previous episodes, winking to the camera as she yells, I kill, and I killed Sparky, too, and cackles. And your little so, dog, too. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny. Um, that is the end of the episode. But, as I mentioned earlier, there's a, med, a mid-credits sequence mm-hmm. when Monica wanders to Agnes uh, slash Agatha's backyard door into the basement, opens it up, and hears Pietro, and sees Pietro, and hears Pietro uh, next to her saying, Snooper's gonna snoop. Snooper's gonna snoop. So, um, so yeah, that was the uh, seventh episode of WandaVision. And, yeah, it was pretty interesting. It was not the most uh, unforeseen development, obviously, for those of us who have, um, who have been watching this show uh, from the get-go and have... Uh, a wellspring of knowledge of, uh, com- of a wellspring of comic book knowledge. That is, you know, this was not that hard to pick up. And this was definitely, if you were reading some of the theories online, this was one of the popular ones that no one was, was, uh, was uh, doubting. Right. And, you know, and the other highlight of it being obviously, you know, uh, Monica going through the barrier, seeing her various, uh, you know, various, uh, uh, Seen the various images of herself, including young Monica from Captain Captain Marvel movie, uh, and the Nick Fury and everything else, and it's pretty much having her superhero moment, uh, or at least starting to have her superhero more moment origin story right then, uh, as she's uh, trying to make her way through the barrier. It was uh, for fans of uh, that character, like myself, it's, it's, uh, was dope to see. Like I was just oh, sitting definitely. there, like yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I mean, we saw it happening in front of our eyes. It was her choice mm-hmm. uh, to sacrifice, you know, what might happen to her just to save, uh, to help Wanda because this was getting a little out of hand at that point. Everyone had seen it so far, so right. uh, forget out of hand at that point. It had already been out of hand. Right. Oh, there's also a couple other things that I forgot to mention in relation to that because um, I think last week I mentioned this about um, – a reference to Amazing Spider-Man 16 and her origin story where she's like beating up the, um, uh, she's pretty much beating up the, uh, her, her actual origin story in the comics where she's like, she gets her, oh, in the beating up, right. Yeah, yeah. Where she beats up the electro, uh, the whatever machine it was. And then she ends up getting her powers from that. Some people have said that there's definitely that reference in this episode in kind of a roundabout way. Um, and also, um, Oh shoot! That was another. That was another reference that I was uh, uh, thinking about, and I can't remember what it is right now in relation to that. But uh, yeah, that all of that was kind of was really great to see. So, um, all right, um, like, you know that, that pretty. We you know we pretty much covered our thoughts on the episode, mm-hmm. and we are you know rapidly coming to the the penultimate episode of WandaVision, we think. Um, episode 8, which is set to premiere in mere hours. Uh, roughly three hours from now as, uh, as I look at the clock. Ooh, so yes. Ooh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah, so we should get things moving along. We should. Let us move along to the rest of the news. Doop. Um, and I'll go ahead and guess I'll take this one because... Um, Marvel's Kevin Feige talks WandaVision future, Netflix heroes, and R rating. So this is a, an article from the Hollywood Reporter uh, during a TCA panel. 
from the set of Miss Marvel, apparently, uh, where uh, Kevin Feige, Feige, Marvel studio boss, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, it's just Kevin Feige to us. <laughs> Uh, so he basically says that, uh, it's, uh, you know, Miss Marvel's one of the, uh, well, it says here that one of the multiple Disney Plus series, uh, that he is currently juggling. Of course, we know a couple of that is coming out. One being, you know, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, which we'll talk about in a second or two, and, uh, She-Hulk and, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Moon Knight, uh, says there that, um, uh, the thing to point out from this article is that um, I think someone must have asked him whether there's going to be a WandaVision season two. And if I, he says that is something not currently uh, his mind as the series will feed into Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness, which is due out in a couple of years and uh, Wanda will be a part of. Uh, and he goes and say, we, when we started a movie, we heard there was a part two. We hope there's a part three, but aren't factoring that into part one. Uh, he noted that he's been in Marvel too long to say definite yes or no to anything regarding WandaVision season two. Also, I guess it somewhat plays into the, the Netflix thing. Also, those are where in those Netflix shows got multiple seasons and you know, Marvel had less to do with, I guess. Um, so I don't know if this was slightly addressing that too. Uh, but also mentions that fact that Falcon and Winter Soldier is on the cusp of coming and some other stuff that is coming that's in development and uh, including the Blade movie and other things. So you can read that more, our, our article in the show notes, by the way. Next up. Next up. Um, Marvel cast Laurel Marsden as Zoe Zimmer in Ms. Marvel series. Marvel's Ms. Marvel. <laughs> Say that fast, right? has gained a new cast member with the addition of Laurel Marsden, who will take on the role of Zoe Zimmer in the Disney Plus series. Marsden has not done much, but she did appear opposite Sophie Turner in uh, Sansa Stark, that is, in Quibi's, in Quibi's, former Quibi's, Survive. Okay. wonder if she um, she's related to the other Marsden who played soccer. James Marsden, yeah, James right. Marsden. Yeah. But also, she, in this picture they got up here, she looks like uh, the little girl from Logan. Okay, kinda. So yeah, but so if you know if you know the cast of characters of Miss Marvel, you know this is one of her friends. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see uh, how that goes. Next up, though, uh, Captain Marvel two will address Monica and Carol's relationship, says Tiana t- uh, Paris. One uh, division Tiana Paris added fuel to the fires of speculation. Excuse me, when she hinted that Captain Marvel's two explains the tension between Monica Rambeau and Carol Danvers, which side note that makes sense that that would that would be the case um if that is if that is indeed going to be the case uh when asked during an interview if the tension between her character monica and captain marvel that is shown in wandavision will be explained to audience sooner or later quote unquote paris told et canada uh as you know i was announced to be joining the cast of captain marvel 2 with brie larson and iman Vellani as kamala khan she carefully added, I do believe that we're going to get more into that relationship and what's going on with those two. And uh, I believe the looks like the video with the interview uh, from ET Canada is attached to this article. So you can check that out. Next. All right. Uh, next up, um, Hawkeye set photos provide a closer look at the tracksuit mafia did you see this yes i did bro that was awesome bro 
Well, I mean, yeah, I had to because I put it, you know. <laughs> but, set um, photos. Well, you never know. New set photos from Disney Plus's upcoming Hawkeye series have surfaced, featuring new looks at both of its heroic archers and a fan favorite foe. Mm-hmm. The photos were taken in Atlanta, where filming is currently ongoing, in addition to multiple photos of Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, who plays who play Clint Barton and Kate Bishop, respectively. The set photos also feature the first look at members of the tracksuit. They call them the tracksuit Draculas? Oh, I believe, come on! I believe, they, I believe that was what they were also called in the book, but most people just call them the tracksuit mafia, because that sounds way better. <laughs> So funny! Like, I gotta I go back I and, and double check. That yeah, I, like I can't remember if that was actually the thing that was from the from the from the book or not. But I, I always called them tracksuit mafia or AKA bro, bro, bro. That's so funny. If you've not read uh, Fractions Run, Fraction Aha's run of uh, of uh, Hawkeye, you really should. It's really good. It, it, yes, like any any parts of the character because both. Uh, 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 well, Clint has his, his turn in it, but also you know, Kate Bishop, they, they, they have the thing. But also, Lucky the Pizza Dog, who is also going to be in the show. So. All right, next up. Next up, though, as I flash uh, pictures, those, uh, uh, those pictures up, uh, Marvel's Loki and animated Star Wars Bad Batch get Disney Plus premiere dates. So, sounds like uh, Loki is going to premiere... Friday, June 11th, which is three months after Falcon and Winter Soldier hits, uh, which is that's going to be in like a couple, uh, probably what, two, two weeks, three weeks? What is it, the 8th? And, um... No, I think it's the 16th, I want to say. Maybe that's the case. Because I know, yeah, we got two more episodes of. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, no, 16th. we get this week, we get this week of WandaVision, you yeah. know, the last week of February, and then the first week in March, we get the last week, that last episode of WandaVision, and then there's a break. Where I think they're going to do like that making of episode nineteenth, yeah, and then we get oh maybe there's another break in between yeah so there's like a off yeah but Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be on nineteenth Loki's going to be on June eleventh and uh, the Bad Batch is going to um, start coincidentally not coincidentally on May the fourth which is of course Star Wars Day. <laughs> Uh, and it says here that uh, subsequent episodes will release every Friday starting May 7th. So they're still doing, so they're not, so they're basically still doing uh, the, the the weekly uh, drops of episodes, which you know, I don't have that big of a problem with, as some people do. Because, <laughs> you know, people are like, well, like, I want to be able to finish the whole thing in five seconds. Right. Anyway. So, yeah, there you go. Those are, those are them. So look out for that. And we definitely will be talking about all of those. I'm sure. Right. Next up. Uh, so Moon Knight news. Oscar Isaac is the reason Ethan Hawke joined the Marvel series. In an interview with the Ringer podcast uh, network, it was actually a video uh, um, interview as well. Uh, Ethan Hawke credits uh, Oscar Isaac with help- helping him decide to join Marvel Studios' um, upcoming Moon Knight television series. He says, well... It's where I'm at as an actor. A lot of it, to be honest. He loves the fact that Moon Knight is a lesser-known story and allows more creative freedom, Hawk told the ringer. The director is Mohamed Diab, and he's a brilliant guy. He's seen a couple of Diab's movies and wanted to work with him anyway. He had a meeting with him about another project, and um, Hawk added that Isaac's involvement in the project is what really sealed the deal for him. And... uh, 
he proceeded to praise the Star Wars sequel trilogy star. Okay. Uh, Ethan Hawke was also told to, told to man up, Hoyt. <laughs> Jake. No, yes. That didn't actually happen, but, you know, gotta, gotta have your fun where you can. Uh, the MCU, according to this rumor, will introduce big hero six characters. Um, according to, uh, granted, sometimes we don't like to give too much credit to, to, to uh, rumor sites, but this one's slightly interesting. Uh, the Big Hero 6 team, as, as folks might know, came out of the Marvel Comics as an ensemble team. There's been that one movie that a lot of people know about. Sunfire also was a part of that, which was already part of the X-Men. So A plus B plus C, I think some of this, uh, excuse me, this site, um, is saying, well, I guess this site may or may not have a source to where it's saying that, um, Baymax and Hero will be debuting within the MCU. Um, again, this is from some suits, uh, from rumor sites. So take that with the biggest grain of salt. Um, I have still yet to see big hero six and I hear it's good. Uh, but I just haven't yet to do it. And I know it's out there on, um, on, uh, Disney plus. So I will probably hit that sooner rather than later. Next. All righty. Uh, next up. So in an interview, uh, with, well, actually, uh, was it an interview? I guess she was asked by author Sarah Wilson, um, uh, about, she was asked, uh, by this author about casting rumors, suggesting she might play Jessica Drew in the Sony pictures universe of Marvel characters, uh, about p- playing spider woman and, uh, Daisy Ridley, um, confessed her wish to join, um, yet another franchise by t- taking up the mantle of Spider-Woman. But there's a little bit more here, which I found interesting. Mm-hmm. Ridley told Wilson that she loved the animated feature Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and has been a big fan of Marvel's latest series, WandaVision. But in the quote, um, she says, um, well, well, what the author says is that uh, she asked Daisy Ridley if she'd heard the Spider-Woman rumors she said no and asked what they were. And then when she explained it to the, to her, she said, uh, quote, oh, my God, I would love to play Spider-Woman. But is it more of like an extended Spider-Verse thing? Mm. I'm like, OK. So she has an understanding of the differences between the Disney MCU and the Spider-Verse stuff, the Spider-Man related stuff. Right. So I, I, I read this article and I'm sitting here like, OK, yeah, Daisy really is a, is a known quantity, but. I can kind of see it. Like she kind of sort of has a look of a younger Jessica Drew. She's British, which Jessica is. Uh, she could probably pull off the snark, I guess, as as she kind of sort of did during the course of uh, during the course mm-hmm. of Star Wars. So I'm sitting here like I would actually wouldn't mind seeing that if it came it down could to be it. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what they give her to do, and depending on whether it's live action or 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 you know. Or animated, or right? Animated, right? Like this is may or may not be a suggestion. So, either way, I would, I would kind of want to see it. Like even, especially if it was uh, live action. Um, maybe you know, hey, Captain Marvel, make them besties. Uh, you know, I know Spider Woman is still part of you know Sony's thing, if I'm not mistaken. Well, actually, I'm not sure. Is it? I think so. I'm not sure where Spider Woman actually lands. Like, Spy- it's Sony, I think. Yeah, I was thinking that like that's still 
is uh, it's only Spider-Man. because of the whole contractual right because of the whole contractual thing right. about the Spider-Man and all the related character rights. But also, I'm like, but given that, I don't know. So that's just weird. Even her origin story doesn't really relate that much to Spidey outside of name and power set. Right, but, but there, but but much like um, the rights for like the Fantastic Four related characters, yeah, it's the it's the related characters so much, you know, mo- mo- more so than the, the 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 characters that like kind right. of flow out of the the original Spider Man story. Right, right. The ones we know that are that have a, an attachment to to the story. So, right. and, and I get that, but it's like it's like yeah, I feel like that's one of those weird outliers. But yeah, I get it. So we'll see if there's anything comes to that. Say, oh, go ahead. Go ahead finish, no, finish I'm, your I'm done. No, I was just saying that we'll see if anything comes to that. That's it. There you go. There you go. What I was going to say is I saw a meme the other day of uh, of Rocket and, and Bucky. And and uh, and Bucky's arm, uh, you know, and Bucky's arm is obviously pro- uh, uh, prominent. This is from Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Rocket asks, uh, how much for Spider-Man? And Bucky answers, not for sale. And, and and Rocket asks, "How much for the company?" <laughs> I think I might have seen that. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, we can only imagine." Although that would be hell on competition. Yeah, so, I yeah, it's, yeah. We don't want Disney to be that much bigger of a monopoly than they already are. Right, right. You. I was gonna say you actually have the next story. Okay. Uh, hey, speaking of Spider Verse, uh, not that part, but. Tom Holland cites Zendaya, Zendaya as inspiration in his uh, acting career. Um, wait, but what, 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 so in his latest interview with Backstage Spider-Man Three Stars, Tom Holland opened up about the actors he cites as industry mentors and inspiration to his Hollywood career. Uh, he mentioned Robert Downey Jr. as well as his co-star in the next Marvel solo film, Zendaya. Who figures uh, as figures who are helping him learn on the job as performers, and there's a nice little quote about that um, uh, in the article, which you can read for yourself in the show notes. Next up. Okay, so uh, these next two stories are kind of related. Mm-hmm. But I'll read the part that this is about because I don't want to talk about um, the next story. I'll leave that to you. So um, I guess as uh, some promotional stuff has been going on for – even though they're still working on it, some promotional stuff for uh, the next Spider-Man movie has come out. And you know, while Roddy Cat has – the story about the, the official uh, title of the movie being I dropped. Was, I, was, you could have done Tom, <laughs> I was about to say, I just, uh, I'll just let it go. Okay. Tom Holland did say that um, apparently uh, he was asked. Uh, so he joined Tom, uh, Jimmy Fallon and tried his hardest not to spoil anything. And so he was on Jimmy Fallon this week and um, he was tight lipped about talking about Jamie Foxx joining the cast and reprising uh, the role of Electro. Tom kept tight-lipped and didn't give anything away. However, uh, Tom Holland did rise to the bait when asked about rumors that previous Spider-Man actors, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, would be making cameos in the upcoming movie. Um, Holland asked, flat-out denies them, saying, it would be amazing if they were in the movie because they haven't told me that yet, and I am Spider-Man. ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> but we also know with his history of spoiling things, they could have totally given him a script that had <laughs> that, that left out some things. Right. That's 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 exactly what Fallon brings up. He's an untalented interviewer. I am not a fan of Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> he sucks. But he does say that uh, Jim Fallon raises the point that the Spider-Man three crew might have kept it a secret from him because he has a reputation for accidentally leaking spoilers. Tom did have to agree, but um, uh, uh, what's one called? He basically says, um, "Hold on." He basically says, uh, I've read the script from beginning to the end, and it'll be a miracle if they could have kept that from me. Ha ha. Not so much miracle. Just just knowing. <laughs> just a little bit of knowing it could do that. But, you know. Um, so that being said, um, so also a part of this article was a... Um, so Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Jacob Badalon on their on their I believe on their different uh, Instagram accounts, pretty much took to Instagram uh, and and uh, seemingly revealed the name of uh, the next uh, Spider-Man movie. Uh, but then both uh, Jacob Badalon and Zendaya also chimed in with uh, what they. Uh, with a with totally different titles uh, for the movie, which and Zendaya's was kind of funny because like we know good and well that would not be the case, but still, uh, but we ended up getting a teaser trailer, which leads us to the next article of the actual real title, which also uh, the the teaser trailer uh, stars all three of those uh, aforementioned actors. Um, and we get the official name of the the next Spider-Man movie, which was spoiler alert, folks. Guess what? It's a spoiler title. alert. Drum roll, please. Spider-Man: No Way Home, continuing to keep with the home uh, theme of the last three Spider-Man, the last two Spider-Man movies. Uh, the teaser trailer was actually kind of cute because we think it was basically seeing. Um, uh, the Tom Holland come out of uh, some office, and uh, Zendaya and, and Jacob Adelon was there. It was like, yeah, they, you know, they did it to us again. <laughs> and and uh, and uh, uh, Jacob Adelon was like, yeah, not shocked. And Zendaya was like, what? Like, and Tom Holland, I mean, he was like, yeah, not me either. And Tom Holland was like, I don't know why they keep doing this. And Zendaya was like, because you keep spoiling. One of them was like, because you keep spoiling things. Like, what did right. I ever spoil? The last movie title. So it was a, it was a, it was a cute it was a cute little video and then they walked past the billboard that actually has the name of the um of the um, or a, a whiteboard rather that right. has the name of the new movie so it was it was a cute way they did that um as Tom Holland was still I think was could be heard saying I don't spoil things <laughs> so yeah it, that was that was too cute and then again you can see the reveal trailer uh, you can see the teaser because it's still worth watching even though I just pretty much recounted the whole thing um, it's still worth watching if you haven't seen it already mm-hmm. next up next up a new Marvel report debunks Fantastic Four rumors and provides an update on pre-production so this is in reference to uh, rumor, some rumors flying around the internet 
that uh, Jennifer Lawrence, just because Jennifer Lawrence was in Australia, that she was going to join the Fantastic Four production and um, deadlines, Justin Kroll said on Twitter, um, Marvel just started meeting with writers on Fantastic Four. There is no script and it will be a while before this film starts shooting. Um which essentially debunks the most prevalent Fantastic Four rumor that Jennifer Lawrence was in line to play Sue Storm. Um, that appears to stem from a report from Australian publication Daily Telegraph on the actor being set to film in the country. Mm. So she's probably there doing something else, folks. Yeah. So, and I know I, um, so there was definitely an article about that rumor of her being cast before that, that I, uh, that I, that, has been circulating around that I've definitely seen and showed some people and people were just like me were like, ah, no, 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 no. we can, you know, <laughs> for various reasons. No, which I'm like, yeah, she's already, you know, no, the whole mystique thing was whatever. So, and I'm not saying just, you know, whatever Jennifer Lawrence is what she is. Um, but nah, she's, if they were going to do something, they might as well bring back Jessica Alba. <laughs> Personally. Um, Actually, hell, they could do a they could do a Sue Storm Sue Stormiverse because they could, they got three different people playing the, the character. So, yeah, right. <laughs> if they do a multiversal thing, all of them could pretty much uh, roll back through, or both of them actually. It's only two. So, um, Kate Mara and um, right, Kate Mara and Kate Mara and um and it just got Alba. So yeah, there you go, folks. So rumor debunked on the J Law thing, or but who knows? Some of that could still end up happening for his dumbass reasons. You know. It could be like, oh, you know what, we didn't actually think about that, but since people are talking buzzing about it in one way, shape, or form, we might that might be the way to go. Go away, Mystique. Go away. <laughs> Just be gone. Indeed. Next up. It's you. Uh, the Muppet Show gets negative depictions disclaimer on Disney Plus. So yeah, folks, the the Muppet Show and all of this is only on some episodes, by the way. On some episodes, correct. Um, has been released on the Muppet Show, which is one the the one big takeaway from this because we already told y'all that it was coming uh, in a previous article and all the other stuff that's still actually set to come. Uh, uh, related to the Muppet Show. A lot of which is because a lot of the movies were still there. But regardless, though, the Muppet Show proper, the original Muppet Show, is on there now. And apparently, um, there are, as I just said, some on some of these shows, uh, the disclaimer for negative stereotypes. Uh, because this show was done at a different time. You know, it was, it was started back in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken, or whatever the case may be. And, you know. Yes, late 70s. Yeah, and there's some there's some depictions that are, you know probably wouldn't fly now to that I I don't want to say they're less innocuous because it's the Muppets, but you know, there's you know, there's sure. Uh, it's still a it was still done at a different time and that's pretty much all you needed to, to need to say about Definitely. it. But Definitely. But the disclaimer disclaimer states this program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes <laughs> were wrong then and were wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact. Learn from it and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. And it's also worth noting that, you know, they have actually taken off some stuff that didn't get a similar, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 tag disclaimer to it. But 
situations to situation and things you have to take things as, as a case by case basis in, in a situation like that. At least that's what I feel like. I don't know what their reason, what Disney's reasons are for that. And obviously, there's one particular thing that probably shouldn't be on there that's not on there for good for for, for decent reasons, for similar reasons as this, um, for, for some other reason. So it is what it is on that. But it says have here that this, any of the episodes, huh? Are you still? Are there's still more to the story. Well, I was going to say because actually I was going to answer that question you were about to ask me if I, if, I, if, I, if 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 I think I got you were going to ask me if I had watched any of it. Yes, I watched the first episode of it, uh, and I would oh, okay. yeah with the intent to to watch some more because I I loved the, the Mushroom Show when I was little, and I don't remember ever seeing the the actual pilot episode of that because in the head uh, Rita Moreno as the star of it, and I was like I don't remember that because it was definitely different from the classic Mushroom Show that you know of even in the beginning and some voice work right uh that 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 uh that is in there that is definitely different from what we now well that we classically know of from back then or even now so it's kind of funny uh but that's being said uh this disclaimer has been added to a total of 18 episodes each one featuring an issue issues such as the inclusion of the confederate flag and problematic depictions of native american and middle eastern cultures right I was about to say, I actually watched a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of went through and I was like, oh, yes. I don't read. I, I sort of remember the Mark Hamill Star Wars one. Mm-hmm. I watched that. I sort of remember the Linda Carter one because, yes. you know, if you grow up, if you have a certain vintage, <laughs> uh, we are all, you know, madly in love with Linda Carter, a.k.a. Wonder Woman. Yep. Um, so I watched those two. And then I saw the Johnny Cash episode, mm. and that's where I saw the disclaimer because mm. the, in it was in that episode where you see the uh, Confederate flag. I actually stopped watching at that point. I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm I'm done with this. I, I, I'll come back and watch the Johnny Cash music uh, numbers another time." But um, that's when I that's when I noticed the disclaimer. That's when I saw the disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, everything I said uh, prior to that is not excusing any of it by saying that was a different time but it's just a matter of fact it very much was right so it's good that they have those uh those there um i know some some will argue they could just take those off of the take those episodes out there i don't know how i'm feeling about that you know uh at this point but it's good that at least they have something uh, uh about that but um yeah Muppet shows on on Disney Plus, folks. Go absolutely it like enjoy it. it. Enjoy yeah. it. It's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, next up. next up. Oh, I, I'm glad I got this one. I did uh, not. Yeah, get no, to- right. I'm yeah. <laughs> De La Soul joined the Teen Titans Go cartoon in a music themed episode. A uh, hip hop icon's De La Soul guest starred on last week's episode of Teen Titans Go, joining forces with the Titans to battle a music stealing alien. Um, they encounter the Titans in that process of fighting the a ma- massive alien monster who has stolen their music. The group posted a clip from the episode to their official Twitter, which features the Titans geeking out over their appearance and Dela using a massive sonic cannon powered by their lyrics. The alien acts as a stand-in for Tommy Boy Records, who <laughs> Dela has been locked in a battle with over control of their music, with the latter party even going so far as to urge fans not to stream any of their music until the matter is resolved. I remember that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Teen Titans Go is apparently no stranger to musical guests. Over the course of the series, multiple, I did not know this, mm-hmm. multiple musical artists have appeared on the show, including CeeLo Green and Fallout Boy, who appeared during the first The Night Begins to Shine special. Even Weird Al Yankovic appeared, voicing the despotic new god Dark, dark Side. That one I do remember seeing. I absolutely remember seeing that one. Yeah, but the, oh the one with CeeLo and Fallout Boy, I don't remember. I mean, I remember Night Begins to Shine, but I don't remember them, their voices being that prominent enough to, to, to pick up then. Right, right. And, and, and referring to a previous story we've covered before, the series will soon launch its own spinoff set in the universe of The Night Begins to Shine. Mm-hmm. New episodes of Teen Titans Go air Saturdays at 9 a.m. on Cartoon Network. Hopefully this is available on... Is Cartoon Network on Hulu? Uh, I well, I know it's, on, it's going to be on their app at some point if it's not already. Um, and I think Cartoon Network's probably on Hulu. I know they have some stuff on Disney Plus Cartoon Network. For, I'm not sure if the Teen Titan stuff is though. Yeah, I was about to say that's I mean, something, that, that doesn't HBO compute. Max. Yeah, that doesn't compute. Um, it being a Warner Brothers property and all. Um, wait, what do you mean? On Disney Plus, you said. I mean, yeah, I mean, I meant I mean HBO Plus, not Disney Plus. Yeah, HBO Max. I got you. I got HBO you. Max. Gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, um, when you said Disney Plus, I'm like, no. I did say that because of, <laughs> yeah, because that was on was on my mind. But yeah, right. it's totally right. uh, HBO Max. Um, and actually, I was sitting here trying to for some strange reason I got logged out. Um, because I was yeah, Teen Titans Go is not on HBO Max right now. Right, because I know there is some teen, there is some Cartoon Network stuff that is on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, some of that stuff is. I, I suppose they're going to put that on there at some point because a lot of the other D, the DC stuff is is on there and starting to get on there, right? More, including one we'll talk about in a few minutes. So, Teen Titans Go looks like it is on Hulu, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, let's see. So Teen Titans is on is on HBO Max. Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans is also on right. HBO Max, but not the series itself. Correct. Um, this must be. Well, we have uh, Hulu has up to season five. Right. And so the, oh, right. And I believe that is this part of season out. six. Yeah, that sounds right. So, which means that it's probably going to be on Cartoon Network's app, like probably right, right now, because you know they don't have it like streaming after the fact, right? Right now. So, if you if you have access to that, then you can probably watch it now after you know, uh, yeah, on on that app. If your if your uh, cable provider lets you do that, right? Uh, but yeah, that also that also there's a clip that's on Instagram. It's probably that same clip uh, that you that Ancient Seven Day mentioned of. Uh, from from the, the episode, I am. I want to see this so bad. <laughs> so, I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah. So hopefully, actually, I should check Cartoon Network to the site to see if actually. But I'll do that while. Actually, I'll do that in a minute. I won't do that right now. Yeah. The the, the video that they posted to the social media, the Dela and the respective artists and Dela Plug One and uh, Chugoy and um and and uh, oh god, I can't believe I'm forgetting the third one. But the point is, they're 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 posting. Um, the vi- this short video and it's pretty good. Right. Yeah, Maceo, the, the DJ. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So, da, 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 da. by the way, Cracker Creek also good. Anyway, next up. Uh, speaking of what I was just what I was just alluding to, HBO Max will debut Superman the animated series in high def. Uh, 
let's see. The month of March, March marks the first time Superman the Animated Series will be available to stream on HBO Max. Um, other comic book con- content debuting on HBO Max in March includes uh, 1998's Blade. Oh, that's the... Isn't is that the show? The, with uh, with uh, What's his face? No, that's the movie, isn't it? That's the movie. With Sticky Fingers? Yeah, no, this, that came later. So this must be the... So No, I think it's the movie. I think that's the... Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's the... That's um, the Whatchamacallit? That's the What's His movie. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, 2005's Constantine uh, and Zack Snyder's Just a Lady. Well, blah, 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 blah. Comics book series. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Cartoon Network app. It's it loud. is, yeah. Uh, cartoon, oh, excuse me, comic book series and movies leaving HBO Max in March include 2019's Shazam, which I need to probably watch that before that happens. Yeah, and absolutely. 1998's Batman, even though I have it sitting right here next to me, but still. Um, and 1998's Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. Which, I, that's actually a good one. Um, so you should definitely check it out. Because, yeah. And it appears that Superman the Animated Series is going to debut on March 17th. Uh, so there you go. And as this article also notes that, yeah, Batman Beyond and Batman the Animated Series is already on there because that came in January. Uh, and Teen Titans, the aforementioned Young Justice, or the aforementioned Teen Titans, Young Justice, and that Green Lantern series, which I know some people like. And also Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. So definitely there's reasons for you to watch some of that stuff. So God. I think most, if not all of the stuff that was on DC Universe is pretty much out there with the exception of a lot of the um, uh, movies, the other movies that are not there. Uh, DC animated movies specifically. Next up, though. Alrighty, next up. New photos from the set of Peacemaker have offered a first look at the show's cast. Series creator James Gunn shared the pics on Twitter, writing, Are you ready for what the Peacemaker crew is cooking up? Is that a shot at The Rock? Um, Or at least a reference to The Rock? The eight-episode series is a spin-off from the upcoming The Suicide Squad. It's important to say The Suicide Squad and is set to debut on HBO Max in January 2022. It will explore the origins of the character of the same name, played by John Cena, who believes in peace at any cost, even if he has to kill people to get it. Gunn wrote the eight-episode series and will direct some of the episodes, which, while Cena is co-executive producer. Okay. Hmm. I don't know what the name of that, um... I don't remember if it said what, said what the name of that, um... Uh, uh, Teen Titans Go episode with Daylight is or not. But I don't see it on the site, and I don't think... I guess you didn't either. I I'm on the app, so I'm trying to figure out how to, um, go backwards. Yeah, it's, it, it is a weird navigating that both the app and... <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is weird. So, yeah, this is not fun. Yeah, it's kind of not. But I think, as a friend of mine told me, uh, like they they probably it's because of kids and it's got everything there, you know. So they could just like, here, here's the thing you can watch it at a, you know. Um, yeah, at freaking random. Yeah, at freaking r- r- random, exactly. So, but yeah, um, yeah. Anyway. That being said, yeah, it's it'll probably be out there. I don't know. That was last week, so I don't know when they put up. I thought they put up uh, episodes uh, the day after, but it may not. So it could probably right. take a week or two to get there. Regardless, uh, Angel Manuel Soto to direct Blue Beetle DC films. Uh, DC, Blue Beetle DC films first Latino superhero movie. 
So Angel Manuel Soto from Charm City Kings has signed on to direct Blue Beetle for Warner Brothers, the DC Films division. Uh, Variety has confirmed bringing the studio's first Latinx superhero movie closer to life. So they're basically going with uh, uh, Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle and not uh, Ted. I was about to call him Ted Bundy. Um, Ted Cord. <laughs> <laughs> they were That's talking. the second. I know, right? Uh, like, what are we doing? Potential or of the second verbal faux pas regarding Ted Bundy tonight. <laughs> so, uh, let's see, Gareth Dennett uh, Alcoser. I'm not sure how to pronounce that last part of the name. I apologize. Who wrote Miss Bala and an earlier draft of uh, Luca Guadagnino? Yeah, sorry, uh, Magnino's uh, upcoming remake of Scarface. Got God, I forgot that was still coming. Is pinning the screenplay. Zev Foreman is executive producing. The project aims to start production in the fall. So, cool. Next up. Next up. Okay. Uh, Justice League Mortal star Jay Baruchel, or Baruchel, I think it's Baruchel, AKA described a bold. Bootleg Michael again? Sarah. AKA Bootleg Michael Sarah. That's just okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, describe what a bold project the unmade superhero movie was poised to be. He, uh, Jay Baruchel was once set to play Maxwell Lord in the unmade superhero movie Justice League Mortal. Now he describes the creative directions this George Miller project was headed in. Um, he called it a, uh, a forgive our, well, you know, you know what's going to, what, you know what comes up after I say this. Um he describes it as a crazy fucking fever dream to variety. Language. While also saying that my time in Australia, that his time in Australia with George Miller was everything he adores about acting. He treated it like a play. We workshopped it. We had a full on dramaturg, dramaturg on set and did super, super earnest Meisner technique sh- uh, shit. Language. And ripped apart and unpacked the script just for the sake of itself. It was art for art's sake. Okay. Cool. Uh, next up, let's see. Mortal Kombat star Ludi Lin joins CW's Kung Fu reboot series. I don't know who asked for this. Um, Ludi Lin, the actor playing Liu Kang in the in the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie, is set to join CW's reboot of the classic uh, martial arts series Kung Fu. He joins the previously cast Olivia Leung. Uh, Leung who is taking on the lead role. The series follows... Right, so it's not like a straight... Yeah, it's literally a remake. Basically, yeah. So he's going to be the Kane... Which has an actual Asian person as the lead. Right. He's going to be the Kane uh, that walks the Earth with... uh, Well, I guess in this case, Nikki. Who is in the middle of the quarter... Wait, who is in a middle of the quarter life crisis... Uh, this causes her to drop out of college and go on a life-changing journey to an isolated monastery in China. But when she returns to San Francisco, she finds her hometown is overwhelmed with crime and corruption. On her and her own parents, Jin and Mei Lin, are at the mercy of a powerful triad. Uh, as a result, she will rely on her tech-savvy sister Althea and her fiance Dennis, a uh, premed brother. So yeah, the, you get the point. You get the point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like like Agent Seventy said, like yes, Kung Fu will finally be actually starting a, an Asian person. Um, I'm slightly curious of this, but also still like, who needs this? Mm-hmm. You know, 
Kung, Kung Fu was kind of a, a of a time. Not saying to say that it needed to be there then, but you know, it is what it is. But I will probably check it out. Next up. Next up, He-Man and Battle Cat have a bold new look in their new Netflix cartoon. No, not the show Kevin Smith is doing. <laughs> that cartoon is a continuation of the original 80s series, and thus its target audience is 40-year-olds. We resemble that. <laughs> this, which is what I'm referring to now, is the new Masters of the Universe show for kids. Mattel revealed his first look at the CG animated reboot series during a virtual analyst day meeting via Toy Arc, along with a new line of action figures. Um, let's see. Uh, they look pretty radical. Um, it leaves him looking more cat-like than in his original uh, uniform. Okay. So, was that? That was also the the uh, Cartoon Network app. I mean, page. <laughs> That's funny. Um, That's funny. So yeah, uh, Roddy Cat probably has the images up, and uh, yeah, they look extreme. Yeah. Wait, that's the but it's not picture. for us. It's not for us. Yeah. Well, so the the only picture they really have, because I think this other uh, this other image they have are is pretty much the line of the uh, action figures that are the classic line of action figures that is up. So the one okay. picture that we have is the, basically the one I am actually showing here is uh, He Man and Battle Cat, and yeah, it is definitely not for us. Which is not the first time they've done an extreme version. Well, a, a different looking version of He-Man. Uh, some folks might remember that last uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which had He-Man looking kind of weak. Um, but, you know, that's said about that. It's uh, the better. Yeah. Next up, though. Uh, Nickelodeon to expand Avatar The Last Airbender with cr- uh, creators. First up is an animated film. So this is good news if you're a fan like I am of Anim- uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, but I'm also kind of like, uh, I'm not sure if this is necessary, but still. Didn't needed- they drop off the movie? Is that what the story was? Huh? Didn't they drop off the movie? Is that Wasn't that a story? Uh, what do you mean? The, the, the live action movie? Yeah, the creators, or, or like a new, some, some, something new regarding Avatar. Uh, I'm not sure. I think there was a plan to do, uh, I want to say there, there was, I might be mistaken about this, so they might have been plans to do a sequel to that, to that movie, and they dropped off of that or something. This something article, like that. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'll look it up while you go on. This yeah, it might story. say something, it might say in this article, but, um, so Nickelodeon is launching Avatar Studios, a new division to create original content spanning animated series. It might actually have been a whole different show now that I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, and movies based on the world of Avatar The Last Bender and The Legend of Korra. The network announced Wednesday during Viacom uh, CBS's Investor Day presentation. Uh, original creators and executive producers uh, Marco, Michael DiBartino and Brian uh, Conesco will lead the studio as co-chief creative officers. Their first product, pro- project is already lined up, an animated theatrical film set to begin production this year. 
let's see. Da, 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 da. In an exclusive statement to, to Entertainment Weekly, DiMartino and Konechko expressed their excitement to develop our franchise and storytelling on a fast scale in myriad exciting ways and mediums. Also, Chiching. Um, it's hard to believe it's been 19 years since we created Avatar Last Bender, Airbender, they said. But after all that time, there are still many stories and time periods in Aang's world that we are eager to bring to life. Uh, we are fortunate to have an ever-growing community of passionate fans that me, enjoys exploring the Avatar-verse as much as we do. And it goes on from there. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we know there's been books and stuff, there, so definitely... Um, oh, okay, cool. Oh, right, yeah. the story that... The story that I'm that I just messaged to Rodicat that he's going to put up on the stream mm. is from August of 2020, so it's not that long ago. Right, and I think and this we is talked what about I'm this. To, exactly that, that. What I would have no other reason to know this if we didn't talk about it <laughs> in the news. <laughs> I am not a watcher of the Avatar cartoons as much as Rodicat would try to get me. It's like him and his. It's like him and, and, and finishing Clone Wars and, and reading hey, all future imperfect. At least I'm doing the thing and it's a rewatch and not a watch, sir. All future imperfect. So <laughs> <laughs> So So yeah, so the story goes is that uh, Netflix was doing a live action adaptation. Yes. And they left these two specific creators left Netflix over creative differences, but now they it seems like they have returned to home base and gone to Nickelodeon to expand Avatar. Which means it'll probably be on Netflix at some point because of... Yeah, later, right, yeah, exactly. Because of uh, Nickelodeon's deal with uh, Netflix. So, but yeah, I do remember this, and, you know, again, there was that other actual live action that, um, that um, uh, Shyamalama did, Shyamalong did, Shyamalan did, excuse me. Um, which no one cares about. Um, for right reasons, because it looked like it was not great. I have not seen it, but I, I have, I know people who have, and it was like, they, yeah. Yeah. Anywho, so yeah, so this was the thing that they were talking about, that, uh, that, uh, and yeah, I do remember us talking about this back then, so that's the thing. But now they're on the Greener Pastures, and now they have a whole studio where they can do what they want. Um, I'm not sure if there's any word about when this film is going to happen, but I suspect we will let y'all folks know when that does happen. Uh, and with that, we're going to go into the comic book news. We're transitioning now. Meanwhile, at the cart, uh, at the comic book chronicles. We need somebody to voice that. Um, <laughs> Karen Gillian, Gillian to end die with issue number 20, which I believe is on issues. Oh, I said the final arc will kick off in May 16. So yeah. So writer Karen Gillian and artist Stephanie Hans will conclude their image comics creator owned title die with, uh, with number 20, perhaps a clever in joke for tabletop RPG players with their own collection of 20 sided dice. Uh, and also Ryder Cat, who also has a, who's starting to have a collection of 20 sided dice, but don't play tabletop RPGs yet. Or at least hasn't in a while. 
Um, so the arc titled Bleed remains somewhat of a mystery in terms of plot, but image, uh, Image's official description of Die Number 16 paints an ominous picture of what's ahead for Die's uh, crew of RPG players turned adventurers, saying that they're in for, quote-unquote, regrets and screaming. To go into the dark, you have to get, you have to, get to the dark. Or you must be allied with the dark. Oh, anyway, um, they <laughs> never put a dungeon anywhere accessible, do they? Read uh, Image's description of Die Number 16 and the Ark. So yeah, I actually was kind of interested in this book when it first came out, but I never really, I never, um, I never went into it properly. So I don't know. I may check this out. Who knows? Uh, next up, though. Next up, Boom Studios announces <clears throat> Eve from creators Victor Laval and Joe Mi Gyeong. Um, so from the award-winning author that brought you Destroyer, and the rising star artist from Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, Boom Studios has announced a brand new five-issue original series, Eve, coming out May 2021. Apparently, this is not based on the Rough Riders rapper. When the ice caps melted, most of humanity was lost to the hidden disease that was released. Now, a mysterious girl named Eve has awoken in secret and must deal with a world that's nothing like the virtual reality she was raised in. In order to save her father, Eve must embark on a deadly quest across the country, but she has no idea of the threats that await her or the price she will pay to restore life to a dying planet. Okay. So what you're seeing on the video, if you're watching the video, is a very cover uh, for Eve number one, which looks gorgeous, um, by the way. Um, I don't know if... Uh, see, that's also a variant cover. Right, they don't have uh, which one called it? it looks like they don't have interiors other than that that first that first image at the top that's the main cover but that's also not by the main artist that's by Ario and Indito. Correct. So and that one also is a good good, uh, good one but yes uh, but definitely so definitely no interiors in this article. But if you're interested in that hey you can check it out when it comes out May 2021. Thank you. A few months from now. Yep. Guess yeah, I guess it makes sense because the solicitor just came out, so that would that would make some total sense. Next yep. up, uh, DCT. This is a Harley Quinn animated sequel, Elseworlds, and DC Vampires for 2021. So uh, DC plans DC Comics plans to debut 11 new titles over the course of 2021. Uh, the new titles were unveiled during the Comics Pro retailer event by DC's Vice President of Sales and Revenue, Nancy Spears. Uh, amongst the titles announced were a sequel to the Harley Quinn animated series, as well as a series celebrating Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary. Um, I'm going to assume that one's a book and not animated. I'm not sure about that. But there were, well, I guess that one's, yeah, that was a lot of, um, whatever. Anyway, there will be also be an Elseworlds book spinning out of the events of Dark Knight's Death Metal and a DC's vampire, a DC Vampire's title. Because we had zombies already, so why not? Uh, the full list of titles you can see here, which includes Deathstroke, Nubian Amazons, Crush and Lobo, uh, Joker, Batman and Robin. Of course, there's some Batman stuff. And some DC Middle Ages things. And the aforementioned uh, Wonder Woman 80th Anniversary title. So, next up. Next up, uh, this is spoilers for, I guess, last week's Wonder Woman Future State. Mm -hmm. 
It reveals the grim fate of the Legion of Superheroes. So apparently, um, but specifically in, Immortal Wonder Woman and not the regular Wonder Woman. But yes, say again. Uh, wait, actually, hold on. Never mind. Never mind. Forget what I said. Well, I mean, it is Future State Immortal Wonder Woman number two, right? So, but I forgot. Uh, we do have but like all this Future stories. State, yeah, I was about to say all this Future State stuff. You know, it's all possible futures, right? Right. So, when the previous issue ended, the quote undoing unquote had been unleashed upon the universe, which slowly made its way across space, consuming whatever stood in its path, and. Um, what happened is that the Legion of Superheroes made one last stand against it, and in the words of Diana, um, they had hoped for a great battle. Instead, it was like a wave and a sandcastle undone. So apparently, the Legion of Superheroes gets wiped out by the undoing, right. like it's a slaughter. So right. too bad, so sad. Yeah. So and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the the various time the time periods that uh, Future State is, is dealing with. Like, this is like the far-flung future, remember, where in the actual regular Wonder Woman uh, Future State one is the quote-unquote current current future, where like, uh, the, the Gotham stuff is kind of... Or, actually, I'm not sure. It might be after that. I'm, I'm, it's weird again, still. I'm um, not going to try to figure it out. Yeah, it, it's weird. And there's just, again, like I said earlier, some stuff earlier. Though. So, But this is like the far, far flung future, possible future, uh, where Immortal um, Wonder Woman is taking place. Right. So, I'll figure it out as I need it. Yeah, and I'm sure there's somebody's probably trying to do the legwork. Uh, those comic uh, arc reading sites are, are probably trying to do the legwork on it. If DC doesn't come out themselves and say, hey, here's how you read it, which I feel like mm-hmm. they should have done if they hadn't already. Um, but regardless, move right along. DC's new linear verse explained. So this article is um, pretty much going into explaining what the the linear verse is, and I'm assuming this is every, the, the new omniverse that is taking place uh, after Future State and going into um, um, Infinite Frontier, which is yeah, which is pretty much coming out of uh, Infinite Frontier, and everything's pretty much on the table. Uh, but it says here that a week earlier on February 23rd, which is already here, which already passed, it, it is already in expansion mode with the new corner of the DCU within the Omniverse called the Linearverse. And like I said, this article kind of goes into what all of that is, which you can read for yourself because uh, it, it would take a little too long for me to try to go through all of that. Next up. All righty. Next up, Roy Thomas, former Marvel editor, pushes back on new Stan Lee biography. So this is a guest column in The Hollywood Reporter. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, Roy Thomas uh, dissecting True Believer, which he argues undercuts Lee's recollections in favor of artist Jack Kirby's version of events. Uh, Roy Thomas, remember, was hired by Stan Lee in 1965 and succeeded him as Marvel Editor-in-Chief in in 1972 when Stan Lee became the publisher. Um, In the column, he examines True Believer, the new biography tackling the comic book legend's life and legacy. For more from the book, you should also read The Hollywood Reporter's interview with author Abraham Reisman uh, on their website. So this is, you know, this is a column that's quite a bit... And obviously, it's meant as a bit of a counterpoint to uh, the True Believer uh, biography. 
Which we kind of expected one would have come from somewhere. I, I suspect it. So, mm-hmm. And here you go. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you should definitely check it out if you're interested in it and or if you've read that book, which I don't, I'm pretty sure neither one of us has. I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, uh, I've so. got uh, quite a few books on my reading list, so I'm probably going to have to add it at some point. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, last but not least... Um, we started kind of sort of started on WandaVision. We're kind of ending on it, folks. Wanda, uh, Monica Rambo gets a WandaVision pop from Funko. Now, it's not the um, it, it, it's not the suit that we see her in the beginning or the outfit we see her in the beginning. It's not the the uh, spectrum like outfit we see after she goes through the uh, after she goes through the hex. But it is a space suit. That she wears go, trying to trying to go through the hex, which was a choice. I mean, I'll probably mm-hmm. get up anyway. So <laughs> irrelevant as as to what choice that is. I'm, I'm going to assume that at some point there's going to be another one in either full spectrum gear or you know whatever we saw after she came out of uh, uh kind of came out of the hex. Nevertheless, there's another Funko Pop. I know people. Some people love them. Some people hate them. I was about to say, who hates them? There are people who hate on Funko Pops. There, are, there really are. I have seen them. Wow. Um, uh, also, there's apparently there's an Aaliyah one that's out that I've uh, seen circulating around, and I'm, I don't know if I've missed that, but I kind of want it. I've seen it. I haven't yeah. seen it in person. I've seen images of it. It's pretty yeah. cool looking. Yeah, I've, I've also recently seen images of it. I'm like, all right, I need to find that. And although there are a couple of things that may still have, and I think Entertainment Earth might be out of them from what I've seen. But okay. I was going to say that um, that one piqued my interest as well as I saw a trio of Run DMC. You have, there's a Jam Master yes. J, a Run, and a DMC that you can put together and set up in like a little diorama of them being on stage. So I don't know if those ones were redos or they knew because I know for a fact, I remember a few years ago when I was still going to my old comic shop, uh, I remember some somebody saying like, yeah, they used to have like old, like Public Enemy had um, old pops back then. Right. And I think right. Run DMC might have had one back then. Right. I think they did. I, I just don't think that they were as uh, connected the way these are. Right. Uh, the, the, and when I say connected, I mean like kind of, you know, related in in design. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give you an example. Like um, like the, the original big, the, the original Notorious B.I.G. pop is worth a lot of money on open. I have because, those. What's that? I have those. The original. Oh, wait, not the original. No, no I have the last set. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. The newer ones. I have the newer ones. Right. I op- I love opening mine. So <laughs> I have the the more recent ones. But the original uh, Funko Pop uh, big figure is worth a pretty penny. Right. I saw them when they first came out, and they weren't exactly. I mean, not that they're ever really the the best likeness, but um, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, that's not. You know, it wasn't really something <laughs> I was I was going to collect at the time. You know, yeah. so hindsight is uh, what it is now. <laughs> Exactly. But at the end of the day, you know, you can't really talk, you know, you can't really, uh, uh, call? you can't really complain about that because if it doesn't, you know, if it's not really up your alley in terms of collecting, what can you say, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Uh, but in any event, so we're, have we reached the end of the news? We are at the end of the, the news section and thereby the end of the, uh, show. I'm going to say real quick that, that, um, if you are looking for that Teen Titan De La Soul episode, it is not up anywhere on, well, it's not up on Cartoon Network's app because that is it's episode 57, Don't Press Play, and it looks like they're all, only up to 45 on the site and probably the app also. 
Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Well, there are other ways of obtaining copies of this. So, yep, yep. Uh, in any event, um, before we wrap the show, before I do our last ad, I wanted to uh, mention a couple of things. The first thing I wanted to mention is that uh, it's not exactly an unboxing because it's gigantic. But um, this week uh, marked the, the, the release to, to many people who pre-ordered uh, online copies of the uh, Jim Lee Artist Edition, uh, Artist Edition X-Men volume. This is the box of it. Um, for anyone who is not familiar with these IDW Artist Editions, they reproduced the comic book page uncolored so that you can see what the original art looked like before coloring. So this is, this this gigantic volume is um, the uh, X-Men, Jim Lee's X-Men Artist Edition. And if you open it to the art, you will see, you know, and and I I think I've held up my Walt Simonson ones in the past, but, um, you know, just for, as an example, I'll flip forward to some, famous and recognizable art. I mean, not that the cover isn't famous and recognizable already. Right? But, uh, let's see here. What's included in this volume is... Oh, this is pretty cool. This is uh, from, I believe, the second appearance of Gambit when Storm was still de-aged by Nanny. Right. So you can see that this is the black and white full, you know, full. This is the full comic book page, right here. What's disappointing is that this issue only has the complete pages of one comic. It is an important comic, but it only has the complete pages of one comic. So uh, you know, it's pretty. Uh, you know, it, it seems pretty apparent that the pages might be you know in uh, various collections, and they were they cost a pretty penny. Uh, probably on the resale market, and uh, they were a lot harder for um, IDW or Scott. I think it's Scott Dunbeer who works on getting these, who uh, works on putting these um, artist editions together. But what he was able to get uh, the entire comic book of is X Men number one from 1991. With um, uh, the this is the, uh, the the Jim Lee Claremont book. You could see the the, the opening splash page. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Uh, of note, the very last several pages are the are, are uh, pictures of the art from the uh, X Men collecting card set that Jim Lee did the art for, and the last two pages have art that was uh, purchased by our very own friend of the show at MattWang97, and he sent in copies of these uh, pieces for inclusion in the uh, in this artist edition. Yes, I do remember him sending, him sending us a, a very excited... A, 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 if I'm not mistaken, he sent us a very excited um, uh, DM about that. He did. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, he's in the special thanks section at the beginning of the book. Hey, cool. So uh, I know that Roddy Cat and I received review copies of this, So, it, which is not the same, although it is cool. Yes. You know, watermarks are no fun, folks. But um, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. 
<laughs> but at the same time, it's still fun. You know, Roddy Cat can flip through this, uh, and, and I can so can I at my leisure the our digital review copies and see, um, you know, all the things that I was referring to here, um, and enjoy the art, even if it's just on the um, the computer screen. And I will say, go so far as to say that, folks, if you're not watching the video section, video version of the podcast, you should for, for stuff like that because that's a big ass book. Yes, <laughs> it, and this yeah. obviously come across on audio, uh, but that was a big ass book that he was holding up. <laughs> yeah, anyone familiar with those artist editions will know the hardcover artist editions are gigantic. The artisan editions are a little smaller mm-hmm. and come at a lower price point. But they're not as um, you know they're obviously not hardbound, so you you can't like put them up on your bookshelf or um, uh, I don't think the pages are quite. I think the pages are as big or almost as big. I think there's a slight reduction. Right. But um, in any event, that's the first thing. And the second thing I wanted to mention is I wanted to pay respects to uh, another podcast. I know that's weird uh, on you know to talk about like a competitor podcast as it were, mm-hmm. but I happen to be yeah I happen to be a member of. <coughs> The Binge Mode family. Um, Binge Mode is a member of the Ringer Podcast Network. And uh, they've done lots of, as their name implies, lots of binge binge watches. And they've uh, done binge reading uh, as well when when, when it's appropriate. So they've done Game of Thrones. They've done Harry Potter. They've done... um, uh, Star Wars. They've also done Saga, believe it or not. They did they did a binge mode that was strictly comics uh, for a few episodes where they covered the Saga books that were uh, released up till now. Because I know Saga, we all know Saga has gone on hiatus for a little while, mm-hmm. but up until now they've released like fifty some odd issues, and so they broke it up into like two volumes of the show. But most recently, Binge Mode has done um, Binge Mode Marvel where they went through all of the MCU movies and they wrapped up with the season finale series finale with the uh, ask the underscore, which is like their uh, uh, audience question um, episode. And um, they did discuss WandaVision on it. So uh, up until episode six. So, um, you know, uh, they did incorporate some of the Disney plus offerings after far from home, but they asked for questions, um, you know, as part of their send off. And believe it or not, they read my one of my they, they, one of the questions they read was mine. And here it is. Oh, my God. Edith, what's next? Agent 70 asks, Marvel brought us interconnected storytelling from comics to film and now Disney Plus shows. Thereby teaching everyone what it's like to follow the stories in Marvel Comics. What can be done to get viewers to read more comics in general? Well, you know, that was my question. It's a it's something that we always talk about. But I was very much curious to hear what uh, Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion had to say. And bear in mind that uh, Jason is our vintage. Right. You know, he's a little Filipino brother from the East Coast. And, uh, you know, he's very much uh, of uh, of our vintage. So he has our frame of reference when it comes to comics. Mallory Rubin, however, is a lot younger. So it was very interesting to hear her take on this uh, uh, answering this question. So I would invite folks to obviously listen after you listen to our show. Go tune into Binge Mode on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts, however you get your podcast. Listen to 
the season finale and take a listen to how they answer my question. So I have joked in the past, uh, probably recently actually in the past, that you know one of these days Agent Seventy is going to be a, become a part of Benjamin Podcast because he has um, he has referenced them on a few different occasions, and now that has actually happened <laughs> in in a roundabout <laughs> way. They literally read my question. I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, no way. <laughs> I couldn't believe my ears. <laughs> so there couldn't you go, folks. It. So, it, so he's down with Ben Road officially. Actually, you know what? And you've you've said it enough times. It was like, yeah, I might end up checking these folks out. Um, uh, and I know we've also talked before the show that they had just finished. Uh, well, you just said it actually. Um, that they're up to oh. WandaVision and ended up with um, what Far From Home. Yeah, uh, they did all the they did yeah. all the MCU movies. Yeah. How did they? So they did Saga, and I, I would probably check that one out. But um, I, I just do you, do you remember how they kind of how they? F- I didn't listen to it because I haven't read it. I got you. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to at least read it, and then come. Uh, that's one thing that's on my list of things to do is to Same. read. Um, I don't think I have all of the issues that have come out. I definitely have like a few trades. Mm-hmm. So I'd read the trades and then track down the remaining issues and then listen to their pod to see, to see how they, uh, to see what they talk about. Yeah, that's fair. I would, I would do the same. I hadn't started doing that yet either. So that's a tough listen. If you haven't ever, haven't even read it, you know, I mean, uh, so, it would probably be a tough listen if, if you had read it because talk, talk is kind of a thing. Um. I guess, man, I guess it's like, you know, like, uh, when, when, you know, especially when it comes to, um, Something like uh, uh, binge mode for Marvel, when you know what the sequence of the movies are, and obviously I've watched all these movies multiple times. Mm-hmm. There's really no need for me to refresh my memory, except we're human and we're getting older, so we actually do need to refresh our memory. So True. for the most part, except for um, Endgame and Far From Home, I really went back and watched everything else in advance of listening to the podcast mm-hmm. because everything else was a little further out. You know, especially given quarantine, kind of uh, uh, messing with our minds and our, our sense of time, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely had to go back and, and rewatch. I've referenced that on the show that I was actually in the middle of my MC rewatch, uh, following along with binge mode. So sure, you have, yeah, um, and yeah, like I think I like I have also said like yeah, I'm not doing a, like a full rewatch, but I definitely have watched some stuff recently, and I'm actually thinking about watching for some reason Doctor Strange, which is you know. Not it's becoming more pertinent than not, but right, sure, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but that being said, um, so yeah, y'all definitely go check out the check out binge mode. Like I said, hey, it's another it's another podcast. We don't, we don't mind. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> weird, and weird. unfortunately, it seems like at least this version of binge mode has come to an end because uh, Jason Concepcion. Uh, you can see you can find him on uh, Twitter as Network. You just have to search for Jason Concepcion. Um, he has joined uh, Crooked Media. Uh, that is the um, the, uh, the the liberal, progressive leaning podcast network that is run by uh, several of President Obama's former staffers. So you know those are the folks that run Pod Save America. So um, you know Pods. You know they 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 run the network where Pod Save the People is and um, Pod Save the World and and lots of different things. So. Mm-hmm. 
So, Shout you know, whether or not they, they're probably going to replace Jason at the ringer so that Mallory has another co-host for binge mode. But we'll see. We'll just have to see how that plays out. Will it be Agent 70? Who knows? Hey! This will probably be hey, the last time. Might be I'll one send of the last up a times. link. <laughs> probably one of the last times we might see Agent 70 on this particular show, folks. <laughs> Listen, we can work remotely. I don't have to move out to Cali to join the ringer. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know, it's like, you know. And you know what's funny is that they're on Spotify, so I won't even get in trouble for playing this. We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! <laughs> Indeed. They get all the music rights. Yeah, that's true. Which we are on all Spotify also, which we're still trying to work that whole situation out. But. I'd say they're owned by Spotify. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's another story. Yeah, but in any it's event. A totally different. Well, not totally, but a different situation altogether. But right. um, so we are now at the end of the show. We can get to another ad read before you bounce on out of here. Our last ad read of the night, because we have been running long, is as usual. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or IDW artist editions. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to another episode, a uh, fine episode of this here part podcast, I would like to thank each and every one of you for coming out here. We appreciate you greatly. Um, we will be definitely back next week. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel. We'll get to that in a second. My name is Roddycat. You can find me at Roddycat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter and CP Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture, uh, yeah, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com and his umbrella sites therein. And also probably still on uh bite that fine replacement. Even if that's still up, I don't even know as comic reviews, no vowels. Tim D O G G nine, eight on Twitter, the Osiris of this ish. Uh, also you can find Tim at CB Cron, uh, on Twitter. That's which is the combo Chronicles, uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at the click nation on Twitter uh, theclicknation.com also. And, um, obviously, well, well, I'll get to that in a second, but also comic book resources where he's over there writing his face off. Go check our man's out. You know, he's doing some good stuff over there. Busting it Absolutely. up. Um, you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google play, Apple iTunes, AKA Apple podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coastal Pleasant Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us here recording every Thursday-ish night, uh, 9.30 p.m. I said, well, the ish was for, for the time and not today, because we've definitely been doing it on Thursdays. Unless we end up doing another that other one we're talking about, we'll have to work that one out whenever we get that straight. Um, but yes, Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash theclicknation or twitch.tv slash combo chronicles, all one word. Tune in next time, folks, where pig.
Pigs in Space. Oh, wait. No, that's a totally different show. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go watch the Muffet Show, folks. Um, but yeah, we will definitely be back next Thursday uh, at the aforementioned time and place. And, you know, with some more goodies. And with that, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda forever!